Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. conversation and part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight, our guest will be Wayne Lullett, where our panelist, Kelly Mordecai, will do more of an introduction. Tell a little bit more about him later. Uh, But also, uh, let's look forward to the following weeks as well on Bard's Logic Political Talk. On the 22nd, next week, we will have Rod Eccles from the Rod Eccles Show on next week, the 22nd. The 29th, we shall have on Christina Timmons. Uh, So we're looking forward to hearing from her again on the show. And going out to May the 6th, uh, we also have to discuss uh, Agenda 21, we will have Debbie Bacalupi. 
And so we're looking forward to having uh, those up coming in the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. And so without any further ado, I will like bring in our panelist, Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, hopefully Wayne's on the line. We were just in a meeting together. Um, yeah, I'll just do a short introduction. Yeah, well, good. Hey, Wayne. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I just want to introduce him real quick. Uh, a friend of mine, he's also a fellow gold miner. Originally from Ohio, but here in Tissue County, we've been fighting shoulder to shoulder recently to make sure with the new code enforcement ordinances coming down that they go get a warrant if the um, private landowner doesn't just cooperate. Yeah, go get a warrant if you want to come on my property, Mr. Government Agent. And so that's been a good thing. And we saw some victories when we petitioned and got signatures that they we we have a responsive uh, board of supervisors in that they are listening to the idea and they're instructing their people now to get warrants if there's non-cooperation from uh, the locals on private property. So, And Wayne has been fighting uh, for liberty and protecting our liberty for, for many a decades here, and he sees the changes that's going on, and uh, he felt um, obligated, if you will, to continue uh, fighting for liberty by going to the Bundy Ranch last year, which was we just came upon that anniversary, and he's also got some new information about another Bundy Ranch situation brewing in Oregon. So um, I guess with that said, I want to introduce you to my friend uh, Wayne Wallet. Okay, and we do have uh, our guest on the uh, line, Wayne. Thank you very much for calling yep. to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm fine. How about you guys tonight? Doing good? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, so basically, um, Wayne was there at, uh, and I just told you know, we just have a discussion here, but uh, he's told me some things about the Bundy Ranch. Um, he was there from the very beginning, and uh, even he had to go through a couple checkpoints to get in, but it was so close. Uh, well, let's just ask Wayne, how close was it to a bloodshed? Uh, I'd say it was it was minutes away. Uh, people were masked underneath the bridges on Interstate 15, and uh, the BLM was masked on one side of one of the bridges to the north, and uh, everybody had guns. Uh, I think that the, the people who were patriots and standing with the Bundys, um, I didn't see guns out. Uh, but the BLM, they definitely had their guns out, and you could hear, it was down to the point where you could hear safeties coming off of the guns. Uh, if you sat up underneath one of the bridges and that's where I was positioned, I was under the southbound lanes under the bridge. So it was interesting, you know, but, uh, mostly it was, uh, it was very peaceful. Uh, a lot of children, a lot of horses, dogs, uh, you know, regular people, uh, just standing up for their rights. So, you know, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you have to stand up for your rights. So, that's my intent in life right, right now is to uh, get people to stand up for themselves, to speak out. And, uh, you know, it would be better for all of us if we all got involved with the, the Constitution and uh, other people's lives, not tearing them down, but bringing them back up. So it's just, just how it is. It's gone. And uh, I see that there's a, a mining dispute uh, going on in, in Oregon with one of the oldest uh, papered mining claims in the United States, and the BLM's trying to uh, shut that down. 
So the Oath Keepers are present right now and still, you know, showing up and getting stocked up and uh, and waiting for all this to take place. But uh, they're there to protect, uh, make sure that people have due process. So uh, I, never, I don't know if I'll be there, but I probably will. Well, tell, tell us, Wayne, a little bit more about the Bundy, how you first heard about it. You know, you drove over there, and then you went through some checkpoints. Um, um, just kind of what, what were you first shocked when you showed up? Uh, actually, you know, I, I I pulled off on I-15 when I first got there, and I'm going, you know, is this even the right exit? And it was so peaceful and everything like that. And then I, I see a great big Fox News van go flying past me, so I figured I was on the right road. And then I went down, the, oh, maybe a quarter of a mile, and there was a, the federal people were there, the BLM people. And they just sort of waved me through and looked inside the vehicle, but they just waved me right on through. And then those keepers stopped me and asked me if I, you know, what, what my position was in, in this uh, ongoing thing. And I said, I'm just here to help. And so they let me through. So it was, like I say, it was on the Virgin River. Uh, very, very peaceful. It's just like a Sunday picnic. A little bit of music being played. Uh, mornings were extremely quiet. Uh, you know, I went down because uh, and they were killing people's cows. I'm not a, a you know rancher or anything like that, you know, but uh, I don't like to see people killing other people's animals for no reason. So it was a, it was a duty, duty to do. Had to go. So you you you, you so you, you first show up and then uh, looks pretty peaceful, and then did you start to see more feds arrive? Uh, uh, the the feds stayed back about uh, I don't know approximately two miles from where most of the people were, but they also had people watching us through uh, uh, sniper rifles and scopes and stuff like that on the hillside all around us. So we we were sort of watching them and they were watching us. But uh, well, I, uh, there was, I remember you there, told it, was you, it was interesting. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you had like a forty power binoculars, and you were looking through, and you saw a sniper. And oh yeah, yes, yeah, you can see him. Yeah, did he wave you at know. you? Uh, yeah, they were they were looking right at me. Uh, they, you know, they they had a tendency to watch whoever was watching them. So yeah, they were they were there, but the uh, the state police, uh, Nevada State Police, were masked between the two bridges on the south end of the two bridges. And the BLM was uh, in a staging area where they had the cattle all, uh, you know, corralled up. And uh, the, the people just decided, well, well, at first, you know, the the sheriff of the area of that county, I think it's called Park County, was asked to go and disarm the BLM. And uh, he went up there and they, they refused. And uh, they gave him about an hour to disarm the BLM. And uh, they came back and said, no, they're not going to disarm. So everyone just pretty much said, well, we're going to go up and get the cows. So it was quite an exodus uh, off the Virgin River up to I-15. And uh, it was uh, it was crowded. A lot of people, a lot of children. I mean, it would have been a mistake if they'd opened fire. And, uh, you know, some of these guys, I've encountered them out on the forest roads and in other places. And some of them are pretty big hotheads and some of them are really nice. So, you know, you get your, you get your pick sometimes and sometimes you don't. 
of you know who's going to who you're going to encounter on the national forest or BLM land supposedly even though it's it, it is public domain. So uh, so they they were shooting his cattle and, yeah so they were shooting his cattle and then Bundy was trying to round him up to protect his cattle. Uh, the cattle were already rounded up by the BLM. And uh, oh, a lot oh, of them, uh, they, they took the older cows. A lot of the younger cows were uh, left without their moms and stuff. And it was at that time of year, you know, a year ago. And uh, that's when a lot of cattle, you know, cows have their babies. Bad time to take mom away from the babies and kill them. You know, so I saw a couple of the of the dead cows that were buried. So, you know, I know what was going on. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was wrong of the government. The government needs to stay out of our lives. I think that uh, all of us can get along a lot better if we're not told what to do all the time. So, what do you do? So, the first day you showed up, you saw this, and then kind of overall you saw the cattle, and then you saw um, more people coming from all over the country to support the Bundys. What was what was the numbers um, as far as people actually there on foot? Uh, I'd say there was probably pretty close to 3,000, 2,800 to 3,000 people. Uh, they were in every nook and cranny you could find. It's not a, it's a pretty narrow spot, but the uh, uh, parking was a couple of miles long and uh, down and up the other side of the Virgin River. So it was, uh, there was a lot of people there, a lot of really good people. I met uh, some probably long to be longtime friends in my life. So, it was pretty neat. I I had a actually it was it was history. And uh well, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, we wow. just gotta so, stand up. Oh, absolutely. So then what what you're seeing is that as people kept coming in, kept coming in to support the Bundys, um, you also saw the feds building up. Yeah. Um were they were they pretty well supplied, if you will, the feds? It, extremely supplied they were uh they were in force i'd say there was probably 300 to 350 BOM people uh, i couldn't even count i couldn't see how many of the state police that were there and uh, a lot of the county sheriffs were actually in amongst the people uh in support of the bundys so it was a it was a good thing but yes they there were swat teams uh we had one helicopter flying over us Above the helicopter was a fixed-wing plane flying, and then I could only see one of the drones, but there was supposedly two, but I could see one. And they continually circled all of us, and uh, I'm sure it took all our license plate numbers and anything else they could get on all of us peaceful people because we, we were very, very peaceful. And I highly recommend that in any kind of situation, you know, we don't need to get people killed. And uh, yeah, at this well, point, yeah. at this point, well, the thing that's going on in Oregon, you know, uh, no one's looking for a confrontation. Um, they want a peaceful settlement to this, or you know, they, they'd like to settle it peacefully. And uh, I think it could be, but uh, it only takes one person to change the matter. So, <laughs> again, what do we do? I mean, we've all allowed this uh, to take place in our country. And, uh, I mean, basically, uh, we haven't stood up, stood against uh, the bureaucracies and the government, and uh, it's time we do.
So got to speak out, stand up, and uh, do whatever you can to make uh, everybody's life a better place. Oh, absolutely. So the Bundys, you saw a bunch of Oath Keepers. You saw, of course, everyday citizens, and you saw um, sheriffs, not just from locally Nevada. Were there sheriffs from other places in the country? Uh, yes, there were uh, sheriffs from Arizona uh, and uh, Utah, and uh, I didn't see too many from California, but there was a couple of them, and they, they were a lot of them were pretty quiet. They were just watching, seeing what was going on. But they were there, and uh, we needed that kind of presence, you know. So it it was a good thing. I mean, there, there yeah. was a lot of people there, a lot of variety, and people from from Idaho. And uh, uh, I heard some somebody guy guy say he was from Maine, so <laughs> all over the country. And uh, same thing's taking place right now. I just hope it's not another standoff like that one. That was close, very very close. Well, before we you know, go into Oregon a little more, how did you feel in the sense of, did you have an imminent feeling of, oh, geez, this could end up bloody, um, oh, unknown, oh, yeah. uncertain? Oh, you definitely felt it. That they, it they, was they, very they close. Could yeah. And yeah, I think it, it, it's retribution. If they didn't harm you there, there was probably going to be retribution, maybe still in the future. I don't know. But I think everyone behaved themselves quite well. And uh, what I was seeing is that uh, the, it was the BLM that causes some of the problems. You know, I mean, if, you've gotta, if you're trying to protect a turtle from a cow, but the turtles have learned to eat from under the dung of the cow, then you're not really harming the turtle. And then for them to go and uh, want to kill the turtles because there's too many of them, well, you know, I don't see, the, I don't see why that they are even doing this. Why are they against the people? You know, it's uh, it's crazy, and uh, sometimes it's uh, collective insanity, is how I see it. So, yeah. <laughs> and here, here yeah. in Siskiyou County, we're heading for the same thing. You know, we we have a, a moratorium on uh, mining on the Klamath River, actually throughout the whole state, and uh, there's an order from a judge. And uh, the Fish and Wildlife says, well, we're not going to honor that order. And, uh, well, that's uh, a the order, the order, You mean the order is going to open up suction dredging again? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, we, we should explain what suction dredging is. Basically, you got a two-inch, four-inch, some people have eight-inch hoses, and it sucks up um, an awful lot of uh, dirt and gold and rocks. You run it through a sluice, and you... Wayne, you were getting how many ounces a day sometimes? Uh, well, some some people do a lot. I've had as much as 18 in a day, and uh, it is it is a living. I mean, it's a hard fought for living, but you uh, you know you just that's what life's all about. Because you know, hard work, good family, good friends. You know, that's how it is. But uh, I can see yeah. this brewing. I mean, we're we're going to go back into the water here pretty quick, and fish and wildlife is. Definitely going to take action against us, but there's going to be a few hundred of us this time, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, this area just seems to be be right for them to. Uh, I don't know. I think it is that they want us out of here for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe they want to turn it into a giant park without any people in it. <laughs> yeah, well, but you never know. 
Yeah, I, I give the audience here a little some demographics about Siskiyou County. We're larger than some of the eastern states and land area like Delaware, Rhode Island, almost as big as Massachusetts. We have uh, 45,000 people, and we're very proud of our ninth new stoplight. Um, so, but we do have, <laughs> yeah, we we do have some of the greatest uh, natural resources in the country. We've got enormous amount of timber. We have got ranching. We have got um, uh, mining, gold mining. Um, some are finding platinum, uh, copper in the 40s. And uh, in, in fact, in the early 1900s here, not only were we self-sufficient, we were cranking out 25,000 ounces a, a year, uh, extracting from the mountain 25,000 ounces a year of gold. And uh, that's a lot more than the Hoffman Brothers, if you watch Gold Rush Alaska. But we, we have great resources. And um, then came along the spot at all, and recently they're revisiting that. Um, and we got gold mining. And it's just it's, we're, we're getting shut down by the stupid environmentalism, and it's causing in our county a lot of single moms, unemployment, alcoholism, all sorts of problems, crime, if we just had access to our resources and are using the environment, and that's probably what's going on in southern Oregon, which is kind of what I want to lead to a little more details, yeah. Wayne, about what's going on in, in uh, southern Oregon. Well, uh, the the BLM, like I said, it's one of the oldest uh, active patented, well, it's not patented, but it's papered mine. In other words, uh, it has changed hands a few times, but it's never been an inactive mine. It's, uh, I think it was uh, 1873 uh, that this has been a continuously papered mine. It's called the, the Sugar Pine Mine. And, uh, you know, you look it up, they actually have a Facebook page. Uh, they're not saying a whole lot on it right now. Things are very quiet. Uh, but uh, the BLM uh, wants to shake it up a little bit and uh, make them do more paperwork and, uh, uh, basically get back down to sluice boxes, and that's about it, which is it's not economical. And mining is an economical venture. You do make money at it. So uh, it's just like with the dredging. They want to call us recreationalists, but we make money from it. So it's not recreation. It's a, it's work. And uh, But uh, those keepers are, are up there. They're there to protect property rights. Uh our Fifth Amendment rights, that basically they're there to stand up for the Constitution. So yeah, I'm behind are, them. Oh, yeah. Well, miners, I've noticed, uh, the miners I've met, and by the way, I went mining on Sunday, and, yeah, we found gold again. We always do. Just enough to pay for the gas to get to the claim. But yes. it's fun. <laughs> and But here we are in the Golden State. Golden State. How do we get a oh, Golden State gold rush, 18, you know, 48, and the 49ers. That's for the football team, the name. 49ers, yeah, the gold rush of 49. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have the Golden Estate, and we have generations uh, making money off the land, and the environmentalists come in, and they play games. And I, I, Wayne, do you remember the story? I think it was in the 80s where um, people had um, log cabins built on their mining claims. They were living there, and I don't know if it was fishing game or BLM or Forest Service. I don't know which one of these alphabet soups did this. But they basically uh, went and burned these these log homes down. They started burning people out of their claims. Yes, they um, did. Yeah, and it was in happening all over. In the late 70s and the 80s, they did burn people. Uh, you know, all their belongings and everything were in some of the homes. And uh, that was, a, 
I think the Rangers name that really went on the rampage, his name was Dick Henry. And uh, that's been quite a while ago. I've never, I, I haven't even heard the name in years. But yes, they, they burned down cabins uh, in probably three, three or four counties in Northern California and Southern Oregon. Every one of them they could find, and you weren't there, they burned them down. I actually was on a fire crew and witnessed at least two or three of them burn up. I didn't light the fires. <laughs> I was there for protection. That well, was it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, what was that? John Reynolds, he's a local here, brilliant legal mind, you know, hobbyist uh, lawyer, kind of like me. Um, but he, he fought them, and in court, he got paid for them burning their property. There had been a longstanding habit, if you will, you know, I'll try to explain the history of gold um, and gold claims, but uh, you had a longstanding practice of, in the state and the feds were like, yeah, that's fine. Go get the resources, you know. we got a hungry nation. Let's grow. And so they encouraged mining, and you could build your cabin. Now you have to post a bond, and you can put a mobile home on. But um, basically they were encouraging it, and so people were moving out west and all this, you know, gold. And then you could, when you filed a claim with the United States uh, mining officer, the patent, you could get a land patent. Pat, a patented land means that if you had 20 or 40 acres or if you had a mill site was five acres, yeah. you apply, and then they turn it into private property, and it hence became private property. I had a client um, in one of these remote creeks here in the county. He had a five-acre piece, which was a mill site for crushing ore, and all around it was, was federal land. It was, it was just this little dot on the map, and so that was private property. And so they would convert your claim, and, you know, you claim it, and then the, the government surveyors would come out. It took, it took a while. Well, I think it was in the late 60s or early 70s, they stopped, they stopped converting the patent or the, the claims into private patents. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of the history is, is that they would do that. And now there's been a fundamental shift to, um, okay, yeah, we'll still grant you some claims, but they – Right. It's tough to the point where now they're saying, well, what used to be what we encouraged, now we are opposing. Yes. Yeah. Well, the BLM was originally uh, mandated to dispose of, the, of the, the land and the minerals. So you went through the BLM to get a patent. And uh, after 1947, they basically uh, have ignored the ruling that uh, you could still patent land and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, things changed. I don't know why or who told them they had to change, but I don't think that on paper it's changed. So I think that all this is still uh, able to be done. They just don't want to do it. You know, so, I mean, how well, do you well, get somebody to do opposing, something that they're mandated know. to do? Yeah, the whole purpose was to dispose of the mineral in the land. <clears throat> so we need to uh, get back to the way that is. I think uh, basically the people do a better job of managing the land when they live amongst the forest, they know what's going on. So they have a tendency to want to protect uh, their interests, not destroy it. You know, it's at the point where the few control the many. And uh, I thought our country was the other way around. So I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing situation. We never know when, uh, uh, the government's going to come in and uh, uh, crackheads, you may want to say, or uh, 
you know, fine you, take your money, take your land. Uh, it's it's just crazy. We need to change things. Yeah, there's so, a fundamental shift. So up up in Oregon, there are people gathering, and, and you say the mining club, if you will, the mining district. They yeah, the mining district. Regular- uh, it's through the, through the Galice mining district right now. That's uh, it's in the, what the incident that's taking place is in the Galice mining district. And I'm a member of the the Gleese Mining District myself, even though I'm down here in Northern California. And, uh, you know, the mining districts were how county governments were formed. So, you know, they're walking on thin eggshells here, trying to stop the original form of the government in in the land here. And uh, like I say, I think we do a better job uh, as people. If we can all get, get together, we can... Uh, take this country back, and uh, we can do it peacefully. We're attempting to do that right here in Siskiyou County right now, trying to uh, talk sense into uh, bureaucrats and uh, law enforcement people, and uh, I think they listen. You have to be very convincing. And uh, and Daniel, you help a lot. (laughs) It's great, you know. Uh, Yeah, well, it's neat to see the... uh... Yeah, it's Kelly here, but yeah, it's neat to see that the uh, community got together with the government, and the government actually listened. We have a pretty responsive yeah, uh, supervisors. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've seen. Uh, well, gosh, we had a town hall meeting. Uh, Lopi was on our show about the Jenner incident, where uh, feds came on without a warrant, and they were packing heat. And uh, pretty soon the neighborhood's getting real restless. Lopi calls a town hall meeting. Like, I don't know, 400 people showed up. It was kind of an emergency meeting. But they showed up in numbers. And uh, basically some of our uh, supervisors and sheriff and uh, I think even uh, Lamalfa was there speaking briefly that, hey, you know, we we need to hold these people in check. And, in fact, there was a – I was talking to uh, Brian Foster – we're just different up here. You're thinking California, all oh, you're a liberal, a bunch of liberal freaks. Well, up here, <laughs> we're very rural, and we hold to the Constitution quite. I, I go to the county fair, and and I purposely look for our three token Democrat Democrats who uh, man the Democrat booth. I mean, this is how yes. conservative well, we I are in too. this county. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I was like, I noticed one, one county fair. There was uh, two tea parties. They had two two booths. We had a uh, pro-life group and then another um, creation group surrounding all these Democrats. And I goes, hey, I tell you what, guys, at noon, everybody wad up paper and bombard the Democrats, you know, just just for fun. And of course, they, they didn't do that, but yeah, but we, yeah. we do have our three our Sounds three like talking fun. Democrats, yeah. But but we yeah. yeah we are facing the federal issue. We're we're facing uh, the feds that are are playing games like this, shutting down our economy. And uh, it's rather frustrating. So there is a group of us. We got three tea parties in the county here. If you consider buying yes, we do. They were, yeah, they were way on this before we were, um, before the whole national tea party thing. And, and so people are coming together. They're standing up. The supervisors are listening. Um, but we just have this intrusive scenario. And what was okay is all of a sudden not. And then. Yeah, uh, Wayne, you you were telling me about some of the purging or parsing of documents in the BLM office. Oh yes, 
Yes, that's what uh, uh, apparently that has has been taking place for a little time now. Uh, they're getting rid of all the old mining claim documents uh, in, I guess it's basically the district to the north of us here in Siskiyou County in Oregon. And uh, yeah, they're destroying documents. But then uh, so are a lot of counties and states all across this nation. And uh, uh, you have to keep your documents for how many years? <laughs> Why don't they? Yeah. So yeah, we, we need to. Yeah. What, what's good was for there, us should be good for them. Was there any insiders you know, in the real quick, BLM gentlemen, that? Uh, uh, and real quick, gentlemen, I do see it's the, the, the excuse me, gentlemen, uh, but I do see it is the bottom of the hour. And so okay. what I need to do is uh, to uh, play our audio here from the Patriot Journalist Network, and then I have. A little bit of a news update that I want to give about one of our previous guests, Matt Bevan, and how he's doing in some polls there in Kentucky. Uh, but first, let's hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.PatriotJournalist.com. Dot com and for that little uh, news break, I'm looking at uh, real clear real clear politics dot com and at least as of uh, a poll that was taken in uh, earlier March is the one they have now and we look for some more recent polls uh, since we did have uh, Mr. Bevan in is where he is it's it's a race between uh, looks like uh, four different folks and we have uh, Bevan with 20% with the person nearest to him is Heiner at 28%. So if folks, if you are from the state of Kentucky, uh, check out uh, Matt Bevan and his campaign by going to www.mattbevan.com. And if you'd like to hear more about uh, or more from Matt Bevan, just go to the show where uh, we had him on as a guest a couple of weeks ago uh, and check that out. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, now come up with some more recent polls. Uh, as hopefully as the night goes on. Uh, but first, uh, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. Go ahead. Is that the actual uh, gubernatorial uh, election right now going on? Well, it's a gubernatorial uh, – no, this is just the primary. It's not going on yet. Uh, March 19th is the actual primary, but this is just uh, the polls as the campaign does. At least that's the oh, one well. uh, that I'm looking at now from com, and I'm hoping to find – a uh, more recent one because was back. Uh, this poll was back in March, so I'm going to see if I can find uh, one that's a little more recent uh, okay, than that's talking, the most accurate. Uh, what's the polls on? So you're talking May uh, is May, hey, night, hey, is May is election? Uh, May is May 19th is the primary election on who will be the uh, GOP gubernatorial candidate uh, to run against uh, whoever will be the Democrat uh, nominee for governor of Kentucky. 
Okay, cool. Hey, this is this is Wayne here again. Um, hey, I'm I'm not gonna have to not gonna be around here, but a couple more minutes. But I I would like to say thank you very much for allowing me to speak my piece on this, and uh, I would like to come back and talk some more after I find out what's going on in Southern Oregon. That'd be all right with you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. Okay. That'd be that'd be really nice. So I'll try to get uh, more up to date information. Uh, right now, it's just a little slow. Uh, people are being very quiet. And I don't I don't blame them. You know, with the, all the things that uh, they can monitor us with. <laughs> so people be cautious, and uh, you know, let's let's protect what we have left of the Constitution and bring it back. So, anyways, I appreciate the. Uh, uh, like so, I can say, allow you me to speak my piece. This is a new thing to me, so <laughs> I usually just observe a lot of things. So, anyways, uh, I'd like to say good night. Hey, thanks, Mike. Right, good night. Thank you very much okay. uh, for uh, coming on, and you're more than welcome uh, to call back again some other time on all the d- other different uh, topics. I know uh, next week uh, we will have, as I said. Uh, Ron uh, Eccles on from the right. Rod Eccles show. So he'll be talking about uh, his show there. And he's, uh, to my understanding, a conservative uh, from New York, of all places. Right. So it'll be interesting to uh, hear more from him. Yeah, and then I guess you're going to have Debbie Bacigalupi on there also. So at, uh, in, yeah, in a couple of weeks. So. May the yeah, yeah she, she's a smart, smart girl. So. Anyways, uh, I say goodnight to you guys, and uh, uh, I'll be listening. So thank, right, thank you very much, hey. and uh, definitely make right. sure that uh, you you get the link tonight from Kelly, so you can uh, share that out with uh, your folks there in Oregon, uh, so they can listen okay. to the show and they can get the call number where they can call in and of course uh, okay. participate as well. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, well you guys have a good right, evening. and then just before, right before you leave, just go ahead and. Uh, yeah, just send me a message at the bardslogic at gmail dot com, uh, and you can get those folks and yourself on the mailing list, uh, which I send out for uh, the different shows uh, that we have. Okay. Uh, pick that out, and also uh, check out the www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. Bye, Take care. Okay, okay, I'll Bye. see you later. Bye. Okay, we just yeah, so. uh, got a message here from uh, our good friend Joseph Mangi, who sometimes he comes on uh, and uh, contributes with us, and also he uh, occasionally takes uh, part of our panelist, Dan. I just sent a message. Uh, he will not be joining us this evening, but he'll be coming on other nights, and we're looking forward to having you on, Joe. Uh, so, Kelly, wants to go ahead, since we've brought up our guest for May 6th, kind of give people an idea of what we're going to be looking forward to there. I know you, uh, I believe a couple of weeks ago, we were at a speech of hers about uh, Agenda 21. Uh, so tell us uh, your reaction on seeing her. Um, her presentation. Um, all right. So I've been heard, I've heard about Agenda 21, Agenda 21, you know, local tea party. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One lady's way too into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Oh, Finally, someone is going to go into detail on Agenda 21, and that was uh, Debbie Bacigalupi. And um, she, ironically, she only she was raised about uh, 12 miles from where I'm at right now. 
and but she's in San Francisco. She's a national speaker, going around about Agenda 21. And when I saw that presentation, I was like, you know, forget she's good looking. Her information is absolutely stunning. Oh my gosh, they have been at this. Um, they basically want to get everybody out of the rural areas into the cities um, under the guise of environmentalism, and it's it's they have planned this. It's very clandestine, and she shows a lot of examples of how they're how they are actually accomplishing it. And uh, being a civil engineer and seeing the development of the planning system, which I'm not a fan of, and seeing how um, even local ordinances are passed, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have been flanked. We have been flanked. And so she's going to go into great depth about that. And, uh, you know, we're lucky to even um, get her because she's just going 90 mile an hour and speaking here and there and all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a local... She's like a, uh, a Chapman uh, fastball, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. That's a red. That's a Reds relief pitcher, Aroldis Chapman. I tell you what, that guy is an amazing uh, relief or, or closing pitcher uh, that the you know, that the Reds have. Let me tell you, he's just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So she's like, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to having uh, having her on. My my thing with that, and we got Cindy on the line. So Cindy, uh, we will be uh, getting you in uh, shortly. I just want to make a comment. Uh, here about, about just not quite our guest, but on the topic is, as everyone here knows, at least the folks who are uh, regulars are listening to the show, they know I am the, the resident environmentalist, conservative environmentalist, by the way, and perhaps maybe we'll play some audio clips, given more uh, description on that is, uh, because that's not green conservative. That's not uh, a phrase I've got. Uh, that was actually coined by Newt Gingrich, who, of course, wrote the book, The Contract with the earth uh, and i definitely recommend to those uh conservatives out there to read the book um and see how he, he definitely could be what he calls a green conservative or a uh, conservative environmentalist as i call it myself oh, but that's one of the things about the folks with agenda 21 the global warming or global climate change things of that nature is what i don't like is how they pretty much hijacked at least in my opinion the environmental movements in order to uh, propagandize and propagate their socialist agenda. Uh, so that's the thing that really gets me uh, ticked off from those folks. Of course, I am 100% behind uh, protecting the environment uh, and, you know, especially, you know, the nat natural environments. Uh, you know, I'm not as much in the animal protection, this and that, to be honest, but, you know, more so the, uh, you know, tree lands and things of that nature. Uh, but that just you know, really bothers me with, with that and what they're doing uh, with Agenda 21, making it look like they're trying to uh, do what's right for the planet and for the environment, but it's actually to, as I said, promote their socialist agenda. Well, let's go ahead and get Cindy on the line and uh, see some other callers. Uh, and if you listen to the show, you like to uh, listen in on the line or chime in, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. I do see some folks on the line. Just push the one on your number dial if you'd like to chime in. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and get Cindy in. Cindy, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you today? Hey, howdy. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks, Kelly, for having that guy on. I, I sure wish I'd have known he was going to leave sooner. I would have called in sooner. But I've been well, sitting hey, here listening. Hi. Yeah. Well, well, Wayne, I guess I'd be a friend. Wait, Wayne is a really good guy. 
and he can help keep the peace in different committees and things and and he has a good workability with um you know person to person with government agencies. He just gets real nervous in front of the microphone or in front of the supervisors and uh, but yeah he he's he's just a really good he's doing what he can and just an all around great American pulling his own weight um but i I think he wanted to go because he got a little bit nervous. <laughs> you think he got nervous yeah. on the phone? A little bit, from what I know of him, yeah, I, I think he did, and he's, you know, oh. he's, it, yeah, so, anyway, I kind of pulled him in pretty quick, because one of our guests uh, double scheduled or something, but, but yeah, at least, uh, that's what's going on in California and Southern Oregon, and, uh, you know, by the way, Robert, uh, I, I am, uh, you know, I do environmental consulting, and also, I'm a, I'm a member of PETA, People for the Eating of Tasty Animals, um, yeah, uh. I'm a member too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, I just had to throw a joke in. Um, but yeah, we here in Siskiyou County, environmental issues are really. Yeah, well, huge. I'm no vegan, nor am I vegetarian. We have uh, incisor teeth for a reason. Uh, you know, we were meant to eat meat, but <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we can do that without the abuse of the environment. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. So, but uh, there's been so much abuse. Uh, there's an author of a book, um, The Spotted Owl Hoax. He's an attorney, and he has found all sorts of flaws with their scientific data. Um, there's an agenda behind it. It's, you know, it's, it's well, we want to do this, so how do we justify it, and how do we point blank lie? Uh, around here, we call the environmentalist watermelon. They're green on the outside, red on the inside. You know, obviously, right. socialist stuff. But um, here's an example of a video I just happened upon. Um, I was looking, looking for some classical music. Ad pops up. It's environmentalists. Every 20 minutes, a species goes extinct. Oh, gee, let's, let's see, 1,440 minutes a day. That's 70 species go extinct a day times 40. That's a million species go extinct in 40 years. Really? You want us to believe that crap? Oh, because Sting. Sting was at the rally. See, there he was shaking hands. You know, it's like, really? You want us to believe this? They do this. They lie. They perjure. They forge data. Um, it, it, it is, Fred Kelly Grant would be an interesting person to get on the phone about the environmental wars. And it's it's nasty. It's, it's ridiculous. If they could, they well, would want us out of all... All national lands. We've had roads closed. Um, we've had um, national monuments where basically don't even step foot on there. I mean, okay, yeah, you can, but it, it's ridiculous the level of control they've gone to to push people out of any natural resources. It's ridiculous. And then they're doing it again. You know, in, in or- you know what, Kelly? The first time I ever heard about Agenda 21 was back um, in 2011 when I was um, getting – actually, it was 2012 when I was um, organizing our county debates for our county council and uh, our our county council uh, elections. And um, somebody – you know, I had put out fingers all around the community, feelers all around the community, and asked all these organizations to send me questions. What do they want to know about? What what do they want to ask? What do they want me to ask um, the the panelists or the, you know, the debaters? 
and uh, one lady wrote that she wanted to know what their stance on, because our county had been hooked up with, um, uh, what's it called? Oh, crap. Um, What's that arm, the the organization that's like in everywhere to to implement it into all the counties? Sierra Club? No, 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 no. It's not a. It's not an environmental thing. It's a. It's a. a it's, a it's an Agenda Twenty One thing. It's a. Oh, fruitcake. Well, anyway, um, I, they, they this organization had been doing business with Bush County, telling them what to do um, for quite some time, and this lady wanted to know if they were still wanting to continue with that relationship with that organization, and so. Uh, I I went to I went to the internet and I started looking up uh, what Agenda Tony was one was and that's where I uh, found the Democrats Against Agenda Twenty One dot com website and uh, found out who Rosa was and um, uh, we we had her oh, on yeah, the show. Oh yeah, uh, Jerry Rosa. Yeah. Oh, Rosie Corey, we I mean. Yeah, Rosa Corey. Rosie yeah, Corey. We yeah, we had her, her on the show some time ago. Yeah, and um, uh, after I saw that website, after I uh, spent a good amount of time, hours, on that website and others, I, it finally came to me what all the environment, well, the, the crazy environmentalism was about. Everybody understands where environmentalism came from because we were messing up our waters everywhere, and uh, and I understood that. But then they started going off the deep end all, into all different areas and doing stuff like uh, closing down land and, and putting land uh, under, under you know, like you can't do anything with that land and, and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, now I want to talk more about the environmentalist wackos and their role in this situation with the, uh, the miners. Um, uh, but I just wanted to, to bring out that um, my daughter, Tennille, uh, who I think I've mentioned on the show before, is a master's, she's getting her master's at UNC at Charlotte, and uh, she's actually employed by her school in the history department as a historian. And she goes around interviewing all these old, old people and getting stories about the Mecklenburg County area and stuff for them, and um, she puts all this stuff together. And recently they worked on a project, and I'm going to try to find it. Um, she she worked on a project called Keeping Watch on Water um, for the city of Charlotte because there, there's been a long history of uh, abuses of their creeks all around the Charlotte and Mecklenburg area. In fact, there's like five neighboring counties that have all been affected by failed water policies. And if uh, they don't seem to be able to do anything about it um, because the corporations who are doing the dumping um, into the, the creeks have so much money that they can um, they can buy any legislation they want or they can buy any 
politician to look the other way on existing uh, legislation. And she created this whole booklet um, with stories about uh, from these old people um, and, and, and what they have watched happen in the past about how, you know, their water has gotten so bad and all these really horrendous stories about people's health being affected and stuff and kids playing in sewage and stuff like that. And, you know, it, and yet they can't get something as simple as this done just to clean up these creeks, to shut down the runoff of all these people dumping into these creeks. And, and, and tell me now, what is the environmentalist movement for if not to be able to do stuff like this? And yet corporations and government who want to control the land are keeping us from actually doing the work that we need to be doing um, because of the money. And I and I like what um, I guess um, Kim just wrote in here uh, that it was all about money. Um, you know, everything's about money, and um, and I'm sure that's that's what the environmentalist movement has become. It's control over property and money because it's just like what you said, Kelly. They want to shove us into these little corridors. I've seen these maps that they have created where it shows you where people are going to be allowed to live and where uh, farming is going to be allowed and where nothing is going to be allowed. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty frightening. And real quick, uh, folks, we do have uh, the caller, one of the callers on the line you'd like to chime in, and that is Bill. So, Bill, thank you for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, Yeah, you were... uh, Mentioning or Kelly mentioned earlier regarding the uh, spotted owl, um, I was here in Wairika when that blew up, and um, it was uh, shutting down logging operations all throughout the county. Um, and so I did a little bit of research into it and tried to figure out what was really going on because there were stories about spotted owls being uh noticed in uh, Kmart shopping signs uh, nesting and in various other locations, according to the environmentalists, uh, was not supposed to happen. Um, So I started looking around at who was going to win out of this deal. And it turned out that all of the major uh, uh, log producers, fruit growers, warehouses, Georgia Pacific, International Lumber, International Paper, they all had major plots of land which a government could not control or the environmentalists could not control. Mm-hmm. And at that time, so I saw what was being done was that these major um, timber organizations were actually using the environmentalists to cut out the little guys. And the little guys were allowed to go up in the national forest. They'd have a plot of land that they were uh, allowed to cut and, and harvest and well, without the little guys, the big guys had the monopoly on everything. Uh, there was no problem with the spotted owl. As a matter of fact, I knew one of the uh, the uh, uh, researchers and, and uh, scientists that was uh, involved in doing the uh, count for the spotted owl. Um, she lived here locally. Um, and she mentioned the fact that the, the spotted owl population, although small, 
um, it was understandably small because of its limit to old-growth forests. Well, a lot of these forests around here are still old-growth, um, and there was such a, a control on the amount of timber that the small guys could harvest that it just didn't make sense to me. So, in other words, after doing my little bit of research, I realized it was the big guys that were making the money off of this deal. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, an, there's a recent, uh, in the paper, they're trying to uh, relist the spotted owl, keep it listed as an endangered species. And so they did this little experiment, if you will. I don't know if it was 20 or 30 years ago when they had, like, what was it, Bill? Was it like 15 um, log mills? Um, I can't remember. We only have one now. But, well, um, yeah, right. Well, no, no. Check this out. Fruit Road is now building a mill. Uh, just where High Ridge Lumber used to be on the other side of the hill from town. That's interesting because that property was environmentally contaminated, a research exactly. for a client. And exactly. how, did they get through, how did they get through that? That's interesting. Anyway, Infragoras has a lot of land here in the county. But anyway, I want to go back to the Spotted Owl. So in, in uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, the local paper, um, the front page talking about the Spotted Owl, and they've done <laughs> studies. It's a little experiment, you know. If you stop the logging, you'll save the spotted owl, right? So we pretty much stopped the logging, and the population of the spotted owl should have went up, right? Right? That was the cause, logging, right? No. They have concluded that the population of the spotted owl has actually decreased by 3%. Hmm. Right. right. So well, where was the science when they made that decision to shut down logging, which had, you know, it had no effect or it may have had an improved effect. This is how these jokers work in the environmental movement. Well, here's one of my opinions, um, is that the environmentalists are being used as tools. It's easy to convince somebody to care about something when, you know, you, you can establish via illustration that, you know, mankind is ruining this, that, or the other thing in the environment. So you get these people that are, you know, uh, bleeding hearts, and they're out there with their hearts on their sleeves trying to protect the little animals out there. I understand that. Yet they don't realize the science behind it. Attention to the actual facts in the matter. As you just pointed out, the spotted owl population is actually decreasing. And yet these people out here are claiming that it's because of logging. Well, we haven't logged around here in 20 years. Yeah, and by the way, you said science to them. The question is, what what is science? What what is science? Knowledge, <laughs> knowledge the study, the pursuit of knowledge. <laughs> hey, yeah, I just put a um, a link in the um, the chat. Uh, there's an article that I, I wanted to mention here. It's about nine fishies that are being protected. They're, in fact. These nine fishes are being given um, many, 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 many millions of gallons of water um, just because they happen to be endangered and we want to make sure they live. And yet everybody, this is in California, so you might have heard this, Kelly. Um, they're, they're, You're talking about the Delta smelt? 
I don't, they didn't say the name of the fish in here. Wait, they might have, but I forgot what it was. Anyway, the whole point is, in California, apparently, 50% of all the fresh water in, in California is set aside for the, the general population, and then 50% of it is set aside for environmental purposes, for, uh, you know, whatever they feel like they need to do with it. Um, now, out of the 50% that go to the general population, agriculture consumes 80% of that, okay? That is 40% of the total of all the water in California, okay? And and uh, now, they, they make sure that the farmers get the bad rap and they're, you know, they're the, the wasters and the, uh, the people who... Uh, suck up all the water, right? Well, never mind that they're huge uh, financial uh, and economic boom for uh, California. Our agriculture is huge in California. Um, So never mind their economic benefits. They're they're constantly belittling the farmers. Um, and, And then you look at what they do with their water that is so precious, trying to save these fish, and it, and it just really has to just, um, I don't know, it, it just has to startle you. It startles me. I can't believe what they consider environmentally worthy. Um, when When you put one thing up against another, isn't, the survival of people and, and and people being able to eat uh, and drink their water isn't that more important than saving nine fish when you're talking about millions of gallons of water? Is it nine That's specific a... fish or nine species of fish? No, 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 nine fish. Now I don't know where they come up with that figure. Apparently, they can't find any more than nine of these fish but they're still going to provide the water for them, uh, whether there's more of them or not. Well, they've done the same thing to us up here on the Klamath River as far as um, the wanting to uh, tear down the dams, claiming that it's uh, detrimental to the natural uh, spawning cycle of salmon. And uh, it was discovered within the last 10 years or so, it was a... The coho salmon supposedly was one of the uh, fish that were endangered or uh, had to be uh, cared for here on the Klamath River, only to find out that the coho was never native to the Klamath River. But uh, they still went forward with the BS story, and um, which is what stirred up the uh, natives downriver. They were one of the biggest uh, advocates for tearing down the dams not realizing that right now, if they tore out the dams, right now, the Klamath River would be a mud creek. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's worse because the uh, our, this, this is a big problem we've had out here. We have three dams, Pacific Power <clears throat> runs in dams. I've heard the county actually owns it, but leases. Hey, Kelly. That's uh, another story. Kelly. Yeah. Watch your watch your language, man. You just keep saying "damn." <laughs> well, I, I I went to the yeah, dam. Uh, I went to the dam to ask the dam man 
I could have some damn water. Oh. And the damn man said no. So I said, well, keep your damn water. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. That's funny. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, but, yeah, we've got this issue, and it's a local hot button where we've got three dams that the Enviros want to remove. And it powers uh, 70,000, I, I believe it's 70,000 homes. They and, have and, already uh, taken the turbines out. They took the turbines out 10 years ago, Kelly. But there's still not all of them, though. Yeah, that, well, we've got Iron Gate and Copco, and both of those have had their turbines removed. You're the first person that told me that. Yeah. Oh, I just wow, heard okay. that. A couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Okay, well, okay, I'm going to drop that argument then. What, what's happened here is they're saying, oh, oh, we got to protect the, the coho salmon and the sucker fish, which, by the way, they tried to poison uh, years ago because there's too many of them, but that's another story. But when they, uh, somebody researched the initial EIR, if you will, back in the, I think it was the 20s or 30s when they put the dams in, basically the Corps of Engineers found that the coho salmon didn't go beyond um, the location where the dams are now. I mean, they swim in from the ocean, they spawn and die. And so they figured out, okay, well, this is a good spot. This is our EAR. We don't see any coho salmon or anything here. But the argument the virals are saying is, well, they can't spawn and the population is less because they can't get beyond the dams. What? Do you have any evidence of this? There are local Indians who basically say, we never saw them way up there. We never ever saw them. We got the shafts in the Karuk, and they're saying, yeah, we didn't see them up there. But the environmentalists are, again, saying a bunch of beep, swear word stuff to convince people. So it, it's just interesting, and it, I'm just, I'm, it, it's hard for me to come from an Iowa farm where you used to have the right to farm. Gosh, I was like, what, 14, 15, 16, taking the tractor without a license to the field. Wouldn't even think about it. Wouldn't, I had no, you know, I went off to college, okay. Came out here, and I'm like, what? We're losing our right to farm? Right now, they, the state has actually passed the first year. Um, you have to have water meters on your well. Hmm. And people saying, I ain't going to do it. We're going to send a state agent on I'm going to shoot him. I mean, that's the way people think around here. And uh, it's it's really, um, what? You want water meters on our wells? Huh? And, of course, recently, Moonbeam, that's what we call our governor, uh, Jerry Brown, uh, $500 fine for taking too long of showers. <laughs> it's like, really? Are you going to have shower Nazis now? <laughs> it's like, how does this work? How are you going to enforce this? It's, it's, this is nuts. I don't know what people yeah. are thinking. This article about that fish uh, said that Brown was going to charge people a $500 fine for watering their lawns with a few gallons of water, while our government policies are wasting millions of gallons of water uh, with these environmental crazy policies. Um, yeah. Don't even get me started on what the government waste. I just heard yesterday... The government spent $1 billion to destroy $16 billion worth of ammunition. Yeah. 
property. I'm going to get back to our original uh, subject here. Real, real quick, uh, Cindy, I just wanted to do a, a, a program note. As, uh, for folks who were uh, just now recently uh, listening in, uh, just give us a call if you'd like to chime in or listen uh, over the line at 347-945-7428 and join in on our conversation. As you can tell by our conversation here with uh, Bill on the line, it's one thing we do here on Bard's Logic is a little different than other talk shows you may have uh, participated in. Uh, as Bill can attest that once you call into the show and uh, you've got your first uh, round of uh, telling us what's on your mind, uh, you're, of course, more than welcome to stay on the show and join our roundtable discussion, in which I do my best as the host to uh, make it equal enough time for each person who is on the line we have here. Uh, so if you'd like to come in and be a part of the show, be a part of our roundtable discussion where you get more than just one opportunity uh, to speak your mind on the topics uh, that we're talking about tonight or whatever's on your mind, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Push the one on your number dial, and uh, I'll let you in. And before we get back to you, Cindy, because I'm doing some uh, updates and things of that nature on the campaign in Kentucky for the uh, gubernatorial primary GOP race there, uh, where we had uh, Matt Bevan on, uh, who was running in the primary a couple weeks ago. And as you folks recall, Matt Bevan uh, recently ran, unfortunately unsuccessfully, against Mitch McConnell, but, of course, with Mitch McConnell's machine, against uh, Bevan, and Bevan even getting, I mean, sorry, McConnell getting the uh, endorsement or support from Rand Paul uh, pretty much uh, got McConnell uh, to win in that primary. Uh, But he is running for governor. I think he's still a good candidate uh, to look at. But there's a little quote here I want to read from an article uh, about the campaign. And it says, the candidates threw a few jabs at each other, but none really drew blood. At the end of the debate, Comer noted that he already won a statewide election while Bevan lost last year's Republican U.S. Senate primary to Mitch McConnell. And Bevan's running mate, Jan Hampton, lost her own election last year to State Representative Jody Richards of a Democrat of Bowling Green. But Matt Bevan replied, uh, no, he said, Matt, you and your running mate both lost your elections by a two-to-one margin, Comer said. And Bevan replied, and we ran against people who had been in office for a collective 75 years. If you want more of that, then I am not your candidate. So definitely, folks, if you are in Kentucky or know someone in Kentucky, uh, definitely check out Matt's uh, campaign at www.mattbevan.com and uh, give him whatever support you can. He definitely has some establishment candidates that he's running against there in the GOP primary. Uh, so we can uh, use your help. And definitely, if you're looking for someone who is not an establishment candidate, then Matt Bevan certainly uh, deserves you to take a look at it and uh, perhaps support him. And, of course, again, that website is at www.mattbevan.com. And I'm looking for some more recent polls. Uh, the last one I got was uh, from the uh, about the middle of March, in which uh, he was polling at 20%, and now there's four other candidates. And so our, the closest one is uh, Comer is at 20% as well, and Heiner is at 28% citizen. That's at least as of about the middle of March. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, Cindy. And thank you very much, folks, for letting me uh, get those out uh, at the top of the hour here. Go ahead, Cindy. 
All right. Well, I just want to go back to property rights for a minute because property rights uh, have been under siege by the U.S. government for some amount of years now. Um, and uh, they keep testing the population to see if they'll submit to a government takeover of private land. And this is just one more of those tests, this minor thing. If there comes a day that we don't fight back or that there's not enough people to back up the, the accosted property owners, we have either submitted to communism or fascism, uh, one of the two. And that's, that's what the fight is going on between the GOP leadership and the Democratic leadership right now. It's just a matter of communism against fascism. Um, but anyway, they've been whittling, whittling away at farmers, ranchers, and other large landowners uh, in order to hand state and federal officials control of more and more land for quite some time now. Very soon, and possibly already, there may not be enough landowners left who would care enough about whether their neighbor lost his land or not. And so there won't be a, a Bundy standoff. There won't be a miners standoff. Um, you, everybody's going to be a renter or a small plot owner in the suburbs, and they're going to uh, those people will all outnumber the rest the rest of the people with land so far, and they will be completely unsympathetic because for more than one reason. Um, uh, and so they're they're going to be brainwashed into it probably. And so the landowner will be on his own going up against this uh, government, this bought-and-paid-for government, this bought-and-paid-for judges, bought-and-paid-for law enforcement. For instance, I have to wonder what is going on in the heads of the BLM agents who will be actually the gunmen going up against these miners, just like the gunmen who came against the Bundy Ranch. What what would possess those people to point a gun at a fellow American who happens to legally own the right to mine or ranch, whatever? Do you think, do they think anything about laws that are created, even ones just recently, designed to remove wealth from the average citizens, remove land rights from the average citizens? Do they, do those people that point the gun at those other guys, do they do any research to find out if the agency they work for has any authority at all to do what they're doing according to the Constitution or even according to federal law? Do they wonder why they would close down this mine and fill in the tunnels and completely close off the, the, the mining of this gold? What motivation did the federal government uh, or the BLM have in order to take this mine out of commission? Why would they deprive a group of people the right to make their fortune? Um, well, well, I have a question for you, Cindy. Uh-huh. Why do you ascribe uh-huh. your good qualities to government agents? What do you mean by that? What I mean is uh, we expect them to use common sense, and they don't. Why do we? I do it too, oh. Cindy. Why do yeah. I keep assuming government agents are going to operate with common sense? I, I don't know why I keep doing it. Well, common sense isn't so common. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're people too. I'm, I'm thinking, don't they have any 
sensitivity to what's going on out there? Do they not have any, are they so closed-minded or so trained, uh, so narrowly trained by the government to only think in one direction that they don't have any ability to think on their own and say, hey, what's this going to do to the country because how is this going to affect my kids in the, in the long run? You know, will I enjoy living in one of those little corridors, taking a subway back and forth to wherever I'm going to work and, and only grocery shopping at this place or that place and only working within uh, a 10-mile radius of my home? Um, am I going to be happy with that kind of a life? And is that what I want for my kids to have no choices? But they have to go where the government tells them to go. Um, do they not think of any of those things? Do they? Are they so out of touch that they just absorb everything the government tells them to do and go out and do it? May I, I interject I, here I, a moment, Cindy? Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Let's go ahead and bring Bill back in. Bill, go ahead. Um, regarding the attitude of uh, government agents, um, officers, uh, Leos, as we call them up here, um, <laughs> I think what you might want to consider is, well, having been in the military myself and understanding what it is to follow orders, it's um, in the Marine Corps, we had our saying, it's not for us to question why, it's just for us to do or die. And um, along with being a uh, government employee, I think you might uh, relate the attitude similar to what I described earlier about the environmentalists being used as tools. Um, they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're doing a noble thing. Um, a government officer, uh, Leo, is uh, told that they're the bad guy and he's breaking the law. Well, a law enforcement officer, Leo, is supposed to enforce the law. Now, if he's told by his supervisor to go enforce the law, that's what he is going to do. He's not concerned about personal peccadillos of the individual he's going after. He's, he's looking at him as a lawbreaker, and therefore he is just doing his job. Regarding the matter of um, whether or not he assumes uh, to even think about the uh, consequences of the grand scheme of things, First of all, you have to have somebody who's willing to think about the grand scheme of things. Many people don't. How many how many people didn't want to impeach Clinton because they didn't want anything to mess up their 401k? They didn't want to lose their vacation home. They didn't want to ruin their jobs because they thought if we impeach Clinton, everything's going to go to hell. Well, it's propaganda. Goebbels, I mean, that guy was well, brilliant. Gonna... He put it together to convince the Germans, that their major malfunction, their main problem was the Jews. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's all psychology and the way you present it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're believing the lie, and, and what's going to happen is the exact opposite because what they're trying to protect is what they're going to lose later on down the line. Well, sure, but like I said, you have to assume that somebody's able to, to think of the big picture. Mm -hmm. A guy who's collecting a paycheck and he's just waiting for Friday so he can get his paycheck and go home to his wife and kids isn't thinking yeah. about what's going to happen 10 years down the road if he continues in his job. You're right, but he better wake up soon. 
and that well, brings this me. Is where, uh, yeah, this is where we need to to help, and we need to inform and educate. You know, those that are around us, those that are willing to listen. You know, I I, I myself have come up against a few people who just they have no clue as to what happened yesterday in the news, uh, let alone what's going on today. And well, you know, you know what, Bill? Bill, I've got two Facebook pages now because my first Facebook page that I opened up, the one that has all my true friends on it, <laughs> um, uh, they couldn't handle it. Uh, they just would, you know, they thought I was just a doomsday person that, you know, yeah. I, I, exactly. I, was, I was too negative. There, All that stuff wasn't, I was a conspiracy theorist, um, on and on and on. So I just closed, I, I didn't close that down. I, I still talked to them on that one, but I moved all my political stuff over onto the other Facebook page, and I don't even put politics on that other page anymore because they don't want to hear it. And and I don't I don't know how mm-hmm. you can I don't know how you can get over that hurdle of people who just don't want to hear it and they don't want any negativity in their lives. They don't want any stress in their lives. They don't want to think about something that might be bad. Um, they would they prefer to live in their little Rainbow world with fruity, fruity stars all around, and exactly. let's, exactly. let's all know. love one another. Let's all get along. Let's sing and move our hands, wave our hands back together. We love. Well, wouldn't each it be other. nice if we could do that? But yeah, uh, well. <laughs> I think. I mean, okay. I, I'll give you several good examples. Kelly can probably. Uh, uh, concur with this is that uh, think of how many prophets told the Israelites, mind your P's and Q's, otherwise bad things are going to happen to you. And that, how many of them told them, go away, shut up, leave me alone, I don't want to hear it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, the Jews are not, they were not told to mind their P's and Q's. It was the Irish and the <laughs> British, you know, when, when things got out of line at the pub. They would yeah, say, mind, yeah. your, mm-hmm. mind, your, mind your pints and chorus. That's where your P's and Q's come from. And actually, that, that wasn't the part. Right. It was more of the breweries. Right. Thank you for bringing that up, Joe. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything about yeah. the Irish oh. and Ireland? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know why God, you know God invented beer, don't you? No, I don't. It's nasty. To keep, to, keep, <laughs> to keep the Irish from conquering the world. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know, I'm thinking also about this guy, this uh, Josephine County Sheriff, who went out there with the BLM uh, to, to, to so that they could make their threats with, um, you know, the, the power of the sheriff behind him. What was he thinking? Who issued that cease and desist order? Were all these people paid off, threatened? What was the mechanism for such actions by a federal agency? How how are they able to carry out their schemes so well? How did they acquire so much power? And what is that? An executive order or something? This needs to be repaired, reformed, whatever you want to call it. This has to end. But but how is it going to end? People are kind of waking up, but they're not wake. They may not wake up soon enough uh, uh, before we've crossed the Rubicon. I can tell you how we can stop it. Tell these individual counties to stop taking money from the federal government. It's the influence of money that makes them do what they do. 
But how do you, you, you go to a, some black lady, some Mexican lady, some poor white guy, I mean woman, and you say, <clears throat> you've got uh, four kids and you're not married. We want you to stop taking government money. Now, what's she going to say to you? <clears throat> no, 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 no. I'm talking about officials, public officials. Oh, the God, yeah. Say, for oh, example, oh. in our county, how much does our county, our county sheriff's department, receive in federal funds to combat drugs? Well, well, and what are the strings attached? What are the strings attached to that money? Mm-hmm. And what about and what about this? What about this? Did you hear today about that guy Doug Hughes and his helicopter that he landed and he landed in the white on the White House property? Now I gotta yeah, tell you, this I heard guy a, is a uh, yeah, I've seen an article this, on that. Yeah, this guy is a true patriot. This guy is Patrick Henry all over again. Give me liberty. Or give me death or prison, whatever. And and he was actually endangering his life by doing that. They could have scrambled fighters and took him right out. They they chose mm-hmm. not to make, they chose not to make a martyr out of him. Um, but people are getting desperate. We may see a whole lot more examples of average folks doing whatever they can to get the attention of Congress. Uh, you got now. Here's where this ties into the money that. This is what he was protesting by his landing in here. He came with, what, 500 letters from friends that they wanted to get to Congress and they could not could get Congress, Congress to listen to him any other way. So you got the McVean fine gold everywhere bill, and this needs, this needs to be repealed. When corporations have more to say about what goes on in Congress than we do, then you have an oligarchy, not a republic. We should all have equal representation in Congress. Rich or poor have to have the same access to our representatives' ears. We haven't had that since the McCain-McVeigh-Fine-Gold-Everywhere bill. It's the reason. It's the reason the GOP had the guts to ignore all the shouting and the protests from the floor of the 2012 convention, and they went right on ahead and changed those rules. They have most of the party ops convinced of the rogue doctrine, which is go left, young man, go left, okay? And and um, if, if, if they thought that they could still, that they would lose enough, uh, votes if GOP leadership knew they were going to lose enough votes that they couldn't win these elections that they so much so they never would have changed those rules but the, with all that money coming in because of the McVeigh fine gold everywhere bill they have what they need to get themselves elected you also have to consider voter fraud because we know now with the computers and everything that's been going on how easy it is to get someone elected. You just have to be better at fraud than the other guy is. And you can do that when you have billions of dollars. Did anybody did anybody hear today the news that Hillary expects to raise five billion dollars for her campaign? That's ridiculous. That's so can, much money to be spent on a one presidential campaign. Makes you wonder can, why can, all that money for that, right? 
And, and who, yeah, where's that money coming from? Where's she getting $5 billion from? She's not getting it from the average American. She's getting that from. Oh, no, no, wonder how many foreign people she's getting that from. Exactly. Well, well, you know she's already taking it from the Arabs. She has. And as a matter of fact, uh, Sean Hannity has done a little bit of a, uh, uh investigation into uh, the donors to her, um, not just her campaign, but uh, the, uh, as uh, Rush calls it, the Clinton Library and uh, um, Parlor, I think. Oh, he says it a little bit differently. I'm just trying to be polite. But uh, anyways, um, there are... Uh, numerous countries that uh, she's taking money from. And um, one of the things that uh, Hannity was trying to expose is the fact that she's out there claiming that she's for women's rights and everything else, and yet uh, most of the countries she's taking money from have no women's rights. Hey, Bill, they want to know in in chat what what era you're from. (laughs) If you want to tell us your age, you can. (laughs) Um, well, let's see. Um, uh, 57 was a good year. Let's put it that way. Okay. 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 57 Chevy. Right. That is a very good view, by the way. 57 Chevy, if you've ever ridden one. Beautiful, yeah. big, wide front window with waste gas like you won't believe, but the American people loved them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, and they polluted the environment terribly. <laughs> yeah, they were miserable, but I loved them nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyways, yeah. Um, I uh, I just uh, have a feeling that if we can get people, and I'm talking public, local public officials, to uh, stop looking at the federal handouts as their only means of support, um, we may be able to get away from the attitude that we have to follow the government's orders. Um, uh, by the way. This isn't Bill Marshall, is it? No, no. Oh, okay. Because we have this a friend. Bill, we have a friend, Bill Bill Marshall, that comes on. He's been on before. I just wondered because he's from that same mm-hmm. era too. That's why I asked. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Bill is in the state of Jefferson. He runs the Jefferson Dogs Hot Dog Stand. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> and Jefferson, yes, the state of Jefferson. If you haven't heard of it, anyway. Yeah. Um, He's also helped uh, gather petitions, which helped uh, get the attention of the Board of Supervisors to, like, yeah, follow the Fourth Amendment. And uh, I've tasked him with doing it again with a recent code enforcement ordinance. Anyway, um, yeah, Bill Bill is well aware, and he's um, – well, Bill's just – you know, I I like Bill. I was told. But but anyway, um, you know what's cool about Siskiyou County – is that we are closely connected enough that we we can closely connect enough that we can make a difference in our local government. And it's not hard to do. Well, they say, Bill, that you sound younger. So it's a good thing for you. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't don't feel so old. But, uh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like it. Then you put it in one of those 57 states, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I hope I I was looking at the chat, chat, and I hope Vida K is the chatter person. Yeah, I hope they come on and, uh, I don't know, give us your thoughts. So, 
anyway, I you know I don't want to. Well, I definitely, like that, yeah, folks don't call. Yeah, the folks don't call in in the next half hour when we go into our, our extended period, uh, sometimes lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, they'll need to call us at 347-945-7428 uh, because at the top of the next hour, unfortunately, the live portion of the show, uh, while still being live, uh, is actually just going to be part of the recording or the podcast, uh, which can be, of course, heard later Um but definitely if they'd like to chime in or be able to listen to us uh, during the uh, part, portion of the show, uh, which is the extended period, uh, they'll need to call us at 347-945-7428. Of course, as I put in the chat earlier, if you'd like to be part of the Bards Logic uh, Political Talks uh, email list, uh, just send us a email at bardslogic at gmail.com and request to be on the email list. Or you can go to the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the contact page and uh, contact uh, me, the host, on getting yourself on that email list where you will get uh, weekly emails just telling you a little bit about the show, uh, coming with the links. You can have easy access uh, on on the way to get to the show. And, of course, if you have friends you think would be interested in listening to the show as well, uh, go ahead and ask them or forward them uh, an email, see if they'd like to be on the email list too. And just because you email them the list or email them the link, I should say, doesn't automatically uh, put them on the email list. They would actually have to request to be on it so they're safe in that manner to be on the email list uh, to get the links of the show. So definitely uh, check that out, and uh, it'd be appreciated. Also, check out, if you haven't already, the Bars Logic Political Talk page on Facebook, and then uh, like the page. Uh, we appreciate that as well. And also, you can uh, follow the show here on Blog Talk Radio by just put, uh, clicking on that little follow button uh, here on the page here on Blog Talk Radio. So definitely, folks, uh, if you'd like to chime in, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you'd like to chime in, push the one on your number dial, and that will let me know that you want to get back in. And so uh, one of the things, folks, uh, that I was uh, looking into here, uh, looks like Twitter with that uh, gyrocopter uh, protest that Cindy was telling us about uh, definitely uh, made some comments on Twitter. Uh, so that, that, was, that was pretty funny to see. And uh, it looks like that, you know, there was some knowledge, foreknowledge that this was going to happen, perhaps not by the White House, uh, but it was known no, uh, by know. a media they organization there. Yeah, no, uh, the White House didn't know, know it was coming? For about a year, they Oh, I knew a media you know, outlet did. Yeah, a, a no, media they, outlet, from uh, my understanding. Yeah, he got, a, he got a visit from the feds. He, he was interviewed by them. They, they, uh, they, before they, he did so it? What, what are they going to Yeah. Because he kept saying he was going to do it. But what what could they do to him before he actually did it? You know? Mm. He, wasn't, he, wasn't thre- he wasn't threatening the president's life. He wasn't threatening any harm to the building, which I thought it was funny because in the video uh, you see the, the helicopter, the tiny, it's a tiny little helicopter, you know, barely room for him to sit on it. And he's, and it's sitting there, and here comes the guy dressed up in his bomb stuff, right? He's got to go over and check it and make sure there's not a bomb in it. No, jeez. That, that poor guy, Doug, he's, he's going to have to pay for that guy, that guy's paycheck to go walk out there and check out his little... Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> I'd like to have one of those yeah, things. It looks really cool. Actually, it was a gyrocopter. It right. was cool. Let me read you a quote from America's Freedom Fighters website uh, in their article. Um, it says, what comes next? Now, they're talking about the um, the miners thing in southern Oregon. What comes next could affect every American. What if your backyard has a specific mineral that the government values? By any means, you can come in and tell, they can come in and tell you that you cannot grow your broccoli on your land because it absorbs this special mineral. The bigger picture would affect farmers. What if gold, oil, or something like uranium was found under a farmer's corn crop? Does the government well, have well, the well, right to I... use those minerals to use those minerals and have the ability to override your use of your own land? This issue will have the ability to dictate the future use of our public and private lands. Now, I, I, well, we'll make one comment on that, Cindy. If uran- I would not. I don't think I'd be comfortable with uranium being. Uh, underneath my corn plants in my backyard. I, that, that's something they can't take. They can take yeah. all their uranium away from my backyard uh, and radon okay. or whatever as a gas I know. Out of my backyard as much as they want. But yeah. I, I know what you're just I, I agree. With humor in that well, I agree. But, hey, what if I want to what if, what if sell the uranium? I mean, obviously, well, that's true. I can. That's true. They've got to pay me for I their uranium. That, now, I, I do agree that, that, that the who I sell it to ought to be regulated. I don't think I should be allowed to sell it to Iran, okay, for for their nuclear program. Uh, but I should, it beca- because it's my <laughs> land, I should be able to control the profit or whatever happens with it. Right, not so I, I sell it to Ireland. But anyway, we do have our good friend uh, on the line uh, who's uh, wanting to chime in, and I believe that's Harriet. Uh, so we'll go ahead yep. and let's get her in. Thank you very much, Harriet, for calling to the show. How are you? Just fine, thank you. Um, Kelly it's wanted to, hear to from talk you. to me. Hi, Kelly. Are you there? Hey, I'm glad to hear you again. Yeah, same here. I got your message. I wasn't planning to call in, but I guess I'm going to find out what you want. <laughs> I want your thoughts. I think you've given us really good impact in, in Pat. Input. You've given us input that's really good, and I like it. I just want to hear uh, from a woman's perspective. Oh, I'm not a woman's perspective. Go ahead. I'm not a woman. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) I said another woman, Cindy. I I should. I should be a little. I should be a little more polite here. A lady. We have two ladies with us, Cindy (laughs) and Harriet, and I would love to hear a lady's input. Oh, on what? On the what? On the what? Well, you've been listening, haven't you? I mean, yeah. you know, well, okay, when I was a kid. I've been listening and doing other things at the same time. <laughs> oh, I see. So, like, when I was a kid and I was in class, Miss Olney, this is like second mm-hmm. grade, I wasn't listening because all I could think about was what I'm going to do when I get home and play and do this and that. And she comes up to me and says, and the owl sound makes what? And I was uh-huh. not paying attention. And so she grabbed my 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 brow above my ear, my hair above my ear, and she pulled it really hard. hard and I said, ow! Yes, the O-W sound in cow makes ow. So you've been listening, but maybe I need to go across the country and 
and pull your hair a little bit so I can get you to speak. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, well, I was kind of there too. Uh, I was kind of there too, Kelly. But that that was me. Just you know, keep looking at the little redhead and, uh, a little bit down the uh, chair stuff from me. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so go ahead, Harriet. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I made a comment online that I remember part of this water situation, or maybe it was the beginning of it in California a couple of years back. Uh, the farmer's water was intentionally turned off by the government. It was a manner to punish the farmers so that they wouldn't have water and they couldn't raise their crops and they were really going downhill fast. The, the land dried up. I believe it was the farmers that had the nut trees and uh, I think also some other farming that they were doing, and they were quite destitute. That, I recall, was the beginning of this save the water situation, but at that time it was to punish the farmers, and I don't know exactly what. But Boxer and Feinstein did nothing about it, and either did the governor, Jerry Brown, who I think at that time was reelected again. So now I keep hearing that the water's dried up and there's a water situ- situation and the wells are dry and everything. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I do remember that incident, and that was pretty big on the, uh, on the network and the news media. So... I just want to know what has happened to the farmers since. Did they get their land back? Did they get their water? And have they been able to reestablish their farms? Well, that's a Central Valley question. I'm way up in the mountains up north. Um, But last year, farmers were, some of them in the Central Valley, were just plowing over with bulldozer with their, uh, their almond trees and other things. And other farmers were selling their water to cities and making more money than they would be in farming. This is how oh, valuable okay. water is out here. And and the Central Valley provides like a third of the nation's food, you know, when you, when you consider nuts nuts and vegetables and citrus. Uh, it's an enormous amount of supply for the whole country. And if they mm-hmm. keep playing, if, if the water keeps going to the fishies and other whatever the heck environmental causes, you, we are going to see national food prices go up. That's guaranteed. Um, if they keep doing these games. But I, I want to tell you another story about <clears throat> we call it the Bucket Brigade. This is back in 2001, 2000, 2000, 2001, where the Klamath, um, the Klamath Basin, it was up yeah. in, uh, yeah, near Klamath Falls, which is on the border of Oregon and California. 200,000 acres were not planted because they shut off the water to save the sucker fish and the coho salmon, which, again, they tried to poison many years ago because there's too many of them. So, well, we've got to save the sucker fish. So a whole bunch of us, even people all over the country, we had like, it was like 20,000 people showed up. And all we did was we passed buckets from uh, the, dam, the dams to the, ir- the irrigation channels, just passing buckets down the street and speeches and all this kind of stuff. But one of the most stunning things I remember from the, going there, and Wayne was probably there, one of the most stunning things I saw, because you got this mass of people, there was no firearms, it was peaceful, and the police and the sheriff's department, they're kind of, I don't know, outnumbered like maybe 500 to 1 or 100 to 1. It was ridiculous. They all had a look on their face like, 
oh, my gosh, if this mob gets out of control, there's absolutely nothing we can do. Nothing happened. It was peaceful. But the look on their face was absolutely priceless, just totally outnumbered. And they're like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I hope they That's don't turn us because we're dead. Yeah, it was an awesome just to see their expressions. And That'd be um, fun. Yeah. So, but what happened was 10% of the farmers, you know, we're talking 200,000 acres. What happened was in the, in the 30s, uh, the federal government said, hey, look, we got a nation to feed. You want to grow potatoes? It's a great place for it. Come out. You farm it for like 10 years, you own it. So people would literally get whole sections of land, you know, or two sections or a 1,000 acres, whatever, and sure enough, the government um, confirmed their promise, and they owned the land, and then generation and generation and generation. Then all of a sudden, the federal government says, oh, uh, we've got to save the sucker fish. Wait, you got to feed the people? That was original one ten, or, or do you want to save the fish? What's going on here? Why don't we just eat the fish? Anyway... You know, because you're going to have to eat the fish when you can't grow potatoes because the people are starving. So, you know, figure out what the whole thing is just, it was a mess. And, of course, it would be national news. And uh, it's just like, what has happened with the Department of the Interior and BLM? What's going on with their policies? Or is there an agenda behind it, the watermelon agenda? Um, Uh Oh, sure. You know it is. You know, my uh, my grandmother, my father was born in uh, Eureka, California. That was back in 1911. My grandparents had a big potato farm there, and they did own a lot of land, an awful lot mm-hmm. of land. And after about 15 years, they came into Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, so I don't know what happened with the land or anything, but I do remember that. In fact, my grandmother said my uh, my father was well, her five children were born on the potato farm. She would she would um, cut the cord, she would uh, bathe the children, and she would uh, breastfeed them, and she would go along picking her potatoes. <laughs> My, how things have changed. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I would have been running, running around doing chores after my kids were born. I, I would have been dead. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> People were, people had, let's go ahead, folks, and uh, go ahead, Cindy. Go, go ahead, Cindy, and finish your, your thoughts, and then let's go ahead and bring Bill back in. Go ahead, Cindy. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for something right now that Karen Schoen wanted me to um, uh, give to you guys. Uh, maybe not sure. you personally because you're in Ohio, but it's a Florida event she wanted me to promote. So I'm looking around for the for the um, the link to the information. Um, so I'll be silent for just a few minutes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Bill. Oh well, um, actually, I was trying to. Uh, I was going to ask Cindy for more details about the incident that happened on the White House lawn. And if this guy was delivering letters to Congress, he was in the wrong spot. <laughs> but yeah, that's, anyway. that's true. Um, you know, I'm uh, again. Um, I firmly believe that a lot of what we have going on in these environmentalist um, groups uh, is, as Kelly described, in this green on the outside, red on the inside. Um, and I believe that you know, most of the people are just uh, in the environmental movement are dupes. They're, they're listening to false uh, uh, junk science, as they would call it. And um, in regards to 
um, taking over the land. I think there was another issue that's uh, still continuing uh, in uh, New Mexico. The cattle ranchers there are being basically squeezed out of uh, BLM land for uh, cattle grazing. And uh, the BLM is insisting that they uh, relinquish the uh, grazing rights on the land, which, of course, would uh, mean that they would have to diminish the amount of uh, head that they have in their cattle herds, which, of course, uh, goes down to the amount of uh, money they can make and whether or not they could actually survive on uh, smaller herds. And uh, if so, what are we going to be... you know what are we going to be paying for a, a pound of beef? You know if this if this continues like this, um, and where are they going to put all the people? Um, you know, get them out in these corridors that they want to establish these. Uh, well, you might as well call them colonies. And um, it goes to a, a, a book that I read recently uh, regarding Agenda Twenty One, a fictional story, but a lot of uh, uh, true facts into it as far as attitudes and and, uh, how control will be uh, administered. Um, Any more on that? I'll hand it over to Kelly if he might be able to interject a little bit more on that. Um, Well, I I like watermelons that are split in two. Um, You know, you leave them too long alone, they rot. But you know, you can share them with your friends. And I, I mean, the plant, not 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 the people. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just had to try some humor there. Gosh darn environmentalists! You can't shoot them, but you can certainly compost them. All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, let's see. Oh, gosh. We've covered a lot of topics tonight. Let's see. Mining, which, by the way, I invite anybody to come out of Siskiyou County. We'll go gold mining. We'll find gold guaranteed. It's a, it's a kick. We're not going to get rich, but it's fun. But for a lot of people, it's a way of life. And the bottom line was uh, the way our founders set up our country before the planning departments took over. You could live on your land, and you could keep what you earned. No longer was a feudal system of the of England where uh, you had to give all the excess produce to uh, the barons or the nobles or the king. No, you got to keep what you worked for and you started to prosper. Oh, what do you know? What an idea. You know, you could split up some of your land. Now your son can do the same thing and et cetera, et cetera. You can go buy more land. You can move out west. And when a nation has access to the resources, the people thrive. What a concept get access to the resources, you thrive. Oh, goodness, do we want people to thrive? I would hope our government does, but that would be me, again, imputing my common sense upon government agents, which is, again, another mistake I commonly make, which results in frustration. So we have to figure out, you know, at least in our county, what is a reasonable thing to do for the environment, what is a reasonable thing to do with this recent code compliance thing where you can be fined $1,000 a a day for non-compliance. Um, oh, by the way, can I, can I rant on local things here? Uh, go ahead and rant, and then I'm going to play a, an audio uh, since we're talking about, uh, you know, environmental things of that nature on green conservatism. So go ahead and rant, and then I'm going to play the clip. But I do see folks 
There's only about seven minutes left of the live portion of the show or, or the part that you'll be able to hear live at least. Uh, so we'll be going into the extended period in about seven minutes. So if you'd like to uh, listen in or even chime in at that extended period, just give us a call at 347-945-7428, and uh, we'll get you into the show, or at least you'll be able to listen to the extended period. Or just uh, link to the, to the rest of the show on the archives, which will be available shortly after the uh, show ends for this evening. And, of course, uh, take that link and uh, send it out to your friends and also invite them to be part of the email mailing list uh, as well. So go ahead, Kelly Durant, and then we'll hear uh, from Newt Gingrich on green conservatism. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, well, I guess i got to ask you, you know, with our after dark <clears throat> the next hour, are, are, are we going to talk dirty or are we going to talk the large logic gospel hour again? Um uh, well, so or maybe a mix of the two, so that we will, uh, you know, satisfy both appetites. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Kelly, okay. Kelly, talking talking about God is uh, is um, bad stuff these days. I mean, that's that's you know, that's the bad stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm yeah. I'm just joking around, like I try to do to be amusing. All right. Anyway, or attempt to. Anyway. All right. So rant, 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 rant. Okay. So we got this local ordinance written by whom? Government agents. Really? Wait a minute. How are laws passed? You go to your legislator, say, hey, I got a law. He looks at it, likes it, sends it over to his people, they revise it. They put it on the floor, and the floor says, hey, good idea, let's go to committee. Oh, that's right, Bill of Rights was modified by committee. came out, went to the states. Okay, so you have committees. So in Siskiyou County, again, conservative, we have our three token Democrats at the county fair. The county supervisors decided to have the committee be the planning department to write this ordinance. Wait, 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 wait. What? You're having a government entity write the law? What? You know, I, I don't understand this. So furthermore, to add insult to injury, let's just open the wound and pour salt on it. We have the director of the Community Development Department who's been driving this effort. He's not elected. What? You mean the top guy in the planning department is not elected? Mm-hmm. No, he's not. You know, we got county clerks. She's elected. we got county assessor elected, treasurer elected, superintendent of schools elected, sheriff, DA, blah, 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 blah. But wait, wait, wait. You mean the planning department person is not elected? What's the more important? What is one of the most important questions of life? Who owns the land, and do you control it? No, we're going to turn that over to the planning department to a person who's not elected. So they started to write this ordinance. The ordinance came out with thousand-dollar fine per day. So suppose you have a bunch of old junky cars. Oh, that's one violation. Oh, you got a bunch of rubber tires, old. Yeah, that's another violation. So you got over here a deck you built without a permit. That's three violations. Oh, that's three thousand dollars a day. A month later, that's $90,000, and you can file. You can have a lien filed on your property for not complying with their codes. Did I mention that this was written by government agents? So what I'm trying to do here is get with the supervisor and say, hey, look, form a committee, at least three private citizens and the planning department, and we go through this code enforcement ordinance again. You do it, if you have this committee, appoint this committee, 
you'll be praised and honored. Do it not, you're going to be like hurt and bad. But it's a big fundamental thing. I realize it's wrong with the government. We're having legislatures turn to government agents to write the law. Are you out of your freaking mind? I mean, why don't we have the king's agents write the Declaration of Independence? Why don't we have the King of England appoint a committee of government agents to write the Constitution? Really? <laughs> Am I getting my hey, point across? Oh, my hey, gosh. Hey, Kelly, Kelly, uh, let me just say, for Robert's sake, uh, if anybody wants to hear the rest of the show, you need to call in quickly. You only got about three or four minutes, and the computer web program will go out, and there will be no sound. We'll still be here typing away, but no sound. So call in. And that's a three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Thanks, Cindy. Mhm. All right. Can I can I continue with my rant to explain the chronic yes. problem here with a non elected planning department person directing government officials to chest. write a law on private property? Yes. Sorry, Get I interrupted. No, no, that's fine. So, so wait, 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 wait. Government agents? Okay, let, let's make an analogy here. Okay, remember Magna Carta? We're coming up on the 800th anniversary. What is so important about Magna Carta? The law was above the king, first time in modern history. Since then, over 100 nations fired their king and got a parliament. This is a pretty profound idea, law above the king. Okay, so what, how, did, how did that come about? The barons went to war. It was five years. It was a bloody revolution. Here's Magna Carta. It's a peace treaty. The law is above you. You can have your kingdom back. But sign this, we're good. Oh, who wrote the Magna Carta? Of course, it was Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and it was a bunch of private citizens, not government agents. So let's suppose the Magna Carta was written by a committee appointed by the king. What would it? Oh, five minutes comes out from committee. You shall obey every command of the king. Do you see the contrast here? This is going on all over the country when the planning departments write laws, and through this, Agenda 21 happens, and this is how we've been flanked. Well, and also remember, Agenda 21 isn't just uh, isn't just something that's nationally. That is an international effort. So some are, uh, would contend that it's an international effort for the one world government. Well spoken. But, you know, if it's like the one world where it's like Star Trek, I don't know how how bad that would be. No, but anyway, so I'm going to go put up that audio on uh, with Newt Gingrich on green conservatism. The first, which is, uh, my newsletter on Monday will be about, is green, conservati- green conservatism. I want to be very clear about this concept. I taught the second Earth Day. I was a coordinator of environmental studies. Ronald Reagan issued a positive statement on the first Earth Day. The environment is not inherently a liberal issue. Virtually every American would like to see biodiversity. Virtually every American would like to see clean air. Virtually every American would like to make sure that we do not have uh, unnecessary climate change, recognizing that the climate changes all the time, the natural biological rhythm or natural organic geographic or geological rhythm. Having said that, what happened to the environmentalism is that the, the hard left took it over so that the environmentalism became an excuse for hysteria, it became an excuse for big government, it became an excuse for regulation, and then conservatives said, well, I'm against that. That then got translated into, well, then you're against the environment. And nobody stood up and said, wait a second, we need to have a fundamental, alternative, better solution. 
Let me give you an example, which you are aware of because of Three Mile Island right here. In 1979, the left made a movie which was about as intellectually honest as Gore's recent movie. It, was, it had Jane Fonda in it, which told you almost all you needed to know. And it was called The China Syndrome. And it's just, it's just fundamentally false. It's a lie. But the combination of Three Mile Island and the, and, and the China Syndrome all of a sudden led to an end to developing nuclear power in the United States. Now, let me give you the numbers. When you, when you go back home and you run into your left-wing friends who are really desperately worried about, about carbon and they really worry about Kyoto and they think that there are going to be 20 feet of ocean next Tuesday and the penguins are going to be walking on sand and, oh, my God, why don't we do something? And, of course, whatever the something is means more government and bigger power. Give them the following number. It will drive them crazy. If the United States had developed nuclear power at the same level as France for electricity production, we would this year put 2 billion, 200 million tons less carbon in the atmosphere, and we would be 15% better than the Kyoto requirements. Now, of course, they'll probably tell you, we well, can't do that. You say, okay, tell me, tell me again how important Kyoto is. I'll tell you again, once again how important it is we do something now. To show you how stupid the left is, and I mean that word deliberately, because you, you watch these people and you try to figure out, how do they make these things up? Gore testified recently that he wants to have no new coal-burning plants until we have the perfect coal-burning plant. This is after a man who wrote in Earth and the Balance that the greatest threat to the human race in the 20th century was the internal combustion engine, which meant that he had managed to somehow skip Stalin, Hitler, and Mao Zedong. Uh, not an easy trick for somebody who was actually going to a very successful private school, but he did. Uh, Here's the fact. A, a new coal-burning plant produces 25% more electricity for the same amount of carbon. So if Gore, if Gore was serious about reducing carbon, he would actually be offering a tax credit to block modernize all of the current coal plants into a next-generation coal plant, and he would immediately get a 25% reduction in carbon per, per unit per megawatt of electricity, which is, by the way, more than Dianne Feinstein hopes to get by 2040. And he would do it without any government coercion, without any litigation, without any regulation. He would do it because it would just make economic sense to do it. So I believe we can create a green conservatism based on science, based on incentives, based on tax credits. And I think we can actually do a better job than the left because their bureaucracies inherently can't deliver. Superfund spends a third of its money on regulation and litigation. That money ought to be spent on engineers and recovery. And that's a total, we can offer a better model. So I just want to urge you, don't back off on this. Be prepared to go into the Philadelphia suburbs and say to the most passionately interested environmentalists, terrific values, here's a better way to get there. And we will suddenly have a new dialogue in America. And here's the new on Agenda 21 real quick. It's only about a minute. Okay. It's the United Nations proposal to create a series of centralized planning provisions where all of a sudden your local city government can't do something because of some agreement they signed with some private group who are all committed basically to taking control of your private property and turning it into a publicly controlled property. And I think uh, everywhere I go in the country today, people, are, particularly in the Tea Parties, are very worried about Agenda 21. It's part of a general problem of the United Nations and other international bureaucracies that are seeking to create an extra constitutional control over us, and I reject that model totally. 
The United States is a sovereign country. The United Nations does not authorize anything to the United States. And the United Nations does not have any control of the United States. And we want to make sure that that remains our, our core value as we go forward. It looks like, uh, unfortunately, we just uh, missed Bill on the call. It looks like his call just dropped. Uh, so I want to thank you, Bill, for uh, coming into the show. Uh, hopefully we hear from uh, you again and that you're listening to the uh, archive now uh, to listen to the rest of the show. So, so far, we think what we've got on here, uh, Kelly, at least on the line uh, to talk with us, uh, is yourself uh, and Cindy. And so uh, we'll finish up the uh, discussion tonight, uh, depending on how long uh, we would like uh, to go. So we'll go ahead and bring it over to you, Cindy, about uh, Newt's thoughts on green conservatism and Agenda 21. Well, you know, I keep forgetting to do it, but every time we talk about this, I I intend to go get that YouTube uh, 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 URL and put it in my my on my Facebook page because it, it's the epitome of um, common sense. And, and that's what Newt Gingrich is all about, is he's just totally has so much common sense, it's ridiculous. Um, you notice, and this is where he was uh, misrepresented by the Rush Limbaugh's and the Mark Levin's and the Glenn Beck's that um, basically kicked him out of um, uh, the, the conservative uh, uh nomination pro- process um, mm-hmm. is is that he sat on a couch with Nancy Pelosi, so he believes in, yeah, in uh, climate change, mm-hmm. but I mean in uh, global warming. But that's not what he said. He said, sure, there's global warming, there's also global cooling, and it's all a part of the natural cycles of things. And um, if there's something we're doing to make it worse, we should go and find out about it. But there is no he has never said that there's any um uh, he's never said that there's any proof that we have global warming or uh or climate change, whatever they want to call it um, so uh they they just totally did him in, and I just totally i don't understand well I do kind of understand some of them just don't understand who Newt Gingrich is. And they did not do their proper homework. I know Rush Limbaugh sits up there and he tries to sound like he's really smart and intelligent, and everything, but he has an army of researchers doing his reading and his researching for him. And if they tell him oh, this, then that's, then, then that's what he puts on. And and I think they led him to believe well, plus he, that that this well, was well, Newt's well, idea. I think they led him. His researchers led him to believe that. Uh, and, and maybe Mark Levin's did the same thing too, I, although I think he does more of his own research. But anyway, they led Rush to believe that Newt Gingrich uh, was a um, climate change or global warming advocate, and, and that just was totally wrong. And, and it was a misrepresentation, and he carried it along. He kept going with it. So, you know, well, plus that my, makes me plus, upset. Well, plus, in my opinion, I think. Uh, you know, in, in my opinion, Rush Limbaugh is, you know, 
a shill for the Republican Party, and I, I think he is, whether he'd admit it or not, is actually a part of the establishment. I really think that he's a part of the establishment, uh, GOP, uh, disguised as a conservative first. Uh, you know, just listen to how, you know, he, he took things back to 2012 and how he handled things and how he lied about Newt Gingrich on the day of the Florida um the day of the Florida primary, you know, and he is in Florida, and we know how the, how yep. the Florida primary uh, in 2012 ended up. So, you know, yep. he, he, he touts that he's a conservative first, a Republican second, but I disagree. I think he's a Republican first. Uh, he's a conservative second. I think he, you know, you know, underneath a shill for the Republican establishment. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, the reason I think that is the way he conducted himself in 2012. Uh, because when the rubber hit the road, uh, he seemed more so looking to split the conservatives in order to have them rally behind one conservative uh, that could have beaten Obama. And, of course, that contributed to the coordination of Mitt Romney uh, by those uh, being split up. Uh, uh, well, yeah, well... I never saw I never saw him actually um, endorse Romney until you know most everybody else was too, and then he started defending him. But but you well, I thought he was, well, that, he was a part. Well, he was a part of splitting the conservatives. I really I really think Limbaugh was a part of uh, splitting the conservative vote uh, because remember uh, in Florida uh, he was actually you know without saying it putting his support behind. Um, was putting his support behind uh, Santorum, saying that Santorum was well. Tell you what, let's not uh, let's not hear that from me. Let's go ahead and hear it straight from uh, Russian Malcolm. By the way, folks, just I have I have to remind you again again that Gingrich debated John Kerry on global warming one point, and they agreed on practically every point. Nobody is innocent. Everybody is guilty of some transgression at somewhere against conservatism except Santorum. See you tomorrow. And that was on the day of the uh, the Florida primary. Uh, and as I said, we've seen how that turned out. And I think well, that had, I mean, whether people want to admit it or not, I think that had a lot of influence. Go ahead, Sylvie. Well, there's a, there's a difference between – I'm not sure I want to call Russia shill for the Republican Party, um, but there is two different um, demographics within the Republican Party that will vote the same way but for two different reasons. Um, the, the, lead, the elite leadership um, is like they are because they have an ideology – that, and, a, and a desire to be in control uh, of the money and you and of government. They want the power. They want the money. And uh, so they're going to do whatever they need to do to keep that power and that money. And if that means we cheat, lie, steal, whatever we have to to get our guy, our candidate in there, well, then that's fine. That's what we'll do. I don't think that Rush is quite there. I think he is in a group uh, – of Republicans that have just been so, uh, they're so sick of the Democrats and the liberals that they have developed this mindset where 
they have to be completely loyal to the Republican Party, and we have to make sure that the Republican Party wins all these elections because they're the only ones who are our help. Our help cometh from the Republican Party. Um, and, and so they're totally loyal to the Republican Party. I saw that a lot in the group that used to participate in Sammy's phone calls or his blog talk show uh, in the old days. Um, and you remember Kathy Amadon, and you remember um, Dave uh, Cholesterol, David Cholesterol? And, and oh, now, yeah, I remember him. You remember them. When, when, when Newt finally uh, bowed out of the race, uh, officially, they went over to the Romney camp and started uh, pushing Romney uh, because it was what's the, the the term they used to say anybody but Obama, right? Well, he was the Republican nominee, and those people were going to stick with the Republican nominee no matter what. And they got mad at us because we started bringing in all these other candidates from other parties and letting them have a say. We weren't necessarily endorsing those candidates, but because we allowed them to, uh, to call in and, and have a say, um, they got mad at us, and they pretty much um, they won't even talk Certainly. to us anymore. Uh, I, I can't share your – I have two different times now shared your blog talk um, link on their Newt Gingrich um, Facebook page, and they just attacked me like a bunch of piranhas um, right. for doing that. They are so against us because we actually talked about other people and we, and we talked about getting – And I don't think they ever understood what we were doing by kind of joining with the Ron Paul people and trying to, um, incident, trying to win a, a, a broker convention. I don't think they understood that the reason we, we – we didn't – hook up with the Ron Paul people because we were so uh, pro-Ron Paul or we wanted him to be the nominee. We didn't. We wanted Newt Gingrich to be the nominee, but we could see he wasn't going to get that unless we had a brokered convention and then Newt Gingrich would get up there on the stage and he would do his wonderful, magnificent thing and win all those people over. And eventually, even if it took two or three votes, I think he would have gotten the nomination. I think he's the only one who could have wowed them in such a way that he could have won mm-hmm. the nomination in that way. But the, the cholesterols, the amadons, the, um, there was a couple other people that were the same when they would write on my Facebook page. Um, they would even message me things, private message me stuff. Um, and, and it was all because they were loyal to the party, not our conservatism. They didn't care right. about our conservatism. They just wanted the dumb Republican Party to win. Well, then they picked the wrong I know, man, that we behind. interviewed people from, like, the Constitution Party, You're right? Yeah. Uh, we, we, well, we had somebody from the Constitution Party. We had somebody from um, uh, Ron Paul's people that were – a couple of times he came on, part of his law group that came on, and, and right. so we were letting mm-hmm. them have their say. And With the um, libertarians on, right? Yeah, we had all those people on. And, and it wasn't because we were necessarily endorsing them. We were just working our butts off to try to get a, 
uh, a broker convention, and, and we were hanging on to that dream of getting Newt Gingrich as our president, okay? And we were hanging on to that dream. They abandoned him. I wasn't going to abandon the, the whole idea. Even if Newt had given up, I wasn't ready to give up because I know that Newt would have been like a George Washington if people asked him and begged him to come on and, and go ahead and be our president, he would have done it. So it was up to us to let Newt know that we wanted him that bad. And people just gave up on him. They just totally gave up and said, oh, we're going to go get Romney elected. Well, fine. That's what you got, a loser. And then they right. they're like, oh, get, and they were saying, do it, do it, Newt says. This is what Newt says to do. It's like, look, yeah. and then they were upset. Well, and then and for the and bounce, you know, in the general election when we were, uh, you know, interviewing like Virgil Goode from the Constitution Party running for president, you know, interviewing and putting his ideas out, it was just and saying saying this. Look, you guys can follow Romney and vote for Romney as much as you want, but you know, and, we, and if, if that's the path that Newt Gingrich is going to take, well, then I I can't follow that path. I understand why he's doing what he's doing, but I mean, I can't. You know, I can't rail against. For me, it's a hypocritical. How can I rail, you know, rail against Romney for all these months and then turn around and say, you know, how much of a you know great thing it is to, to vote for the guy? No, yeah. I'm going to find a conservative, you know, to uh, to talk about and you know to rally behind and things of that nature uh, because they're conservative, not because they're a Republican, as you pointed out. Well, that's obvious. But I see. I think that new new stuff. He knew stuff that we didn't know. He knew uh, when he dropped out and when he went back behind the scenes again, he knew uh, something that we didn't know, a reason why he was not going to be able to get the nomination. And I think he knew that uh, the nomination was already prearranged. It was a prearranged marriage, and it was all bought and paid for. And there was no way he was going to be able to fight that. And he knew that we also were not going to be able to fight that. He may have even been privy to their rules changes that they were about to make. And so he knew that our chances were nil. And so that's why he became silent and sort of dropped out of the process. Um, whatever his reason mm-hmm. was, I was I was not willing to give up. Um, and I think there was many of us in our group that were not willing to give up. We showed that by showing up at the convention and uh, uh, standing there with our signs outside the convention hall and doing the mm-hmm. talk, the blog, the blog talk. Well, we, had, we were doing three blog talks at the same time. Um, right. In, you know, what? we were working like heck. We were doing the best we could. Oh, yeah, but, certainly. I mean, I was working almost around the clock, uh, Oh, yeah, I know I was, I was working just around the clock on, on the campaign and, you know, with shows and things of that nature for Gingrich. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, people, we worked hard. I mean, we we worked hard for it, you know. I mean, I know, I, I you know, at nights till, up till 530 in the morning and then getting back up, you know, you know, some hours later and, and going, you know, four, six hours later and, and getting right back to it. Um you know, so yeah, oh yeah, I remember those days. I mean, it was very passionate. And I mean, no matter who comes up this year, if Gingrich doesn't decide to throw his hat back in the ring, where he's been kind of quiet lately, at least not as as much in the spotlight as uh, he has been recently. So it makes me kind of wonder. Um, 
but if he doesn't, I, right now at least the candidates that have popped up, even with even with Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, Ron Paul, Marco Rubio. I mean, Rand Paul. Eh, and I, I like him better than Rubio. But if I had to pick anyone between the three, it'd be Ted Cruz. But I, I just don't find the passion that I have right now, even for a Ted Cruz, uh, that I did for Newt Gingrich. I just well, don't you. think that you know, as Mark Prasic said. Uh, as he said, you know, us losing the opportunity to have Newt Gingrich uh, as uh, our president, we 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 lost the national treasure and that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, get uh, Kelly's uh, opinions on the points. Go ahead, Kelly. I like what Newt had to say regarding the environment. Yeah, let's get some conservatives in the environmental movement if they're allowed by those who are in power. But let's let's get some conservatives. Why? Because they happen to think logically. They happen to require facts that are verifiable. Facts. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, not emotion. You know, I I, I share with you guys that <clears throat> analogy. Every twenty, not not analogy. It's actually a, a, a statement by environmental freaks. Every twenty minutes, uh, uh, every twenty minutes, um. The species goes endangered. Oh, that's right. So you're saying that every, in 40 years, a million species has become extinct. We even have a million species on the planet. Like, I really? So when conservatives get involved in this, and they get into positions of power, and that's a really uphill battle. But if they get into positions of power, we will see the environmental movement be a lot more sane a lot more reasonable, a lot more fact-oriented, a lot more, oh, gee, we should think about the human factor. Oh, wait, there's a human factor in the environment? Yes, there is. And this will totally debunk the agenda of the left. And it's nothing to do with the environment. You know, there was, what, several years ago, there was, oh, we got to have an environmental conference. In, 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 the, in the Amazon rainforest, and what did they do? They freaking mowed down a roadway for like 20 miles. Then they cleared out a big pad of Amazon trees to have this environmental summit in the Amazon rainforest. What? Yeah, they destroyed Amazon rainforest to protect. What? These people have no... It's not about the environment. It's about control. I mean, that's that's the obvious. I'm just repeating the obvious. But if we, as conservatives, at, as Newt Gingrich was admonishing, if we conservatives actually get involved in the environmental movement, yeah, well, we'll call them to the table and say, yeah, you're full of beep. So anyway, um, the same with the planning commission. Get on your local planning commission because you got to dislodge the socialists. Because, you know, how many people do you know have ever been on a planning commission? It's so freaking boring and stupid. Oh, the socialists are like, oh, yeah, let's get on it. Oh, yeah, the conservatives <laughs> won't be there because it's boring and they're taking care of their family. Boom. That's you, can only get, you can only get on it, though, if you get appointed to it here in this county. And if, if the Democrats are in control, no Republican conservatives. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it comes back to the fundamental question, whether it be environmental or splitting and selling your land, the most important question in life, or I'm sorry, one of the most important questions in life is who owns the land? If you own the land, do you control it? Or do other people control it? 
we have been flanked by the planning department, planning system, planning commission. We are being flanked by the environmentalists. It's frightening, but they have, this is frightening that they have been at this for freaking decades, and all of a sudden we're like, what? Yeah, they flanked us. Yeah. They flanked us. That's the best phrase I can, I can, I can say. And, and earlier, I, uh, and earlier I brought up uh, Newt Gingrich's book, uh, the contract with the Earth. And so, uh, since I've got these audios here, I really like uh, for folks to hear them. So, here's Newt Gingrich on his book, Contract with the Earth. Say that again. For a TV, the world is thinking. Contract with the Earth is designed to start a new conversation on two very different fronts. It's designed, and, and, and Terry and I set out uh, after years of conversation to do this quite deliberately. We both love animals. Uh, we both spent large parts of our career focused on animals. I wanted to be a zoo director when I was a child or a vertebrate paleontologist. Uh, my two favorite institutions were the Bronx Zoo and the American Museum of Natural History. And I really loved the natural world. When I became a teacher in 1971, I taught in the second Earth Day. And then uh, I became the uh, coordinator of environmental studies at West Georgia College. Both my daughters used to go with us. And we would take classes for a week down to the Okefenokee Swamp and just try to get them invested in how rich and extraordinary and complex the natural world is and how diverse it is and how fascinating it is. Um, and so I come out of that background in general, and we worked with uh, E.O. Wilson and others in trying to save the Endangered Species Act. Uh, I, I engaged in a number of other activities as the Republican whip. I helped pass the Air Pollution Act, the Air, uh, Clean Air Act of 1990, which uh, created the first cap-and-trade program for sulfuric acid and uh, to save the, the lakes in the Northeast. And I've been actively involved in a variety of other programs along that line. We wanted to have two conversations in one book. We wanted to say to conservatives, <clears throat> don't be so put off by proposals on the left that you decide to yell no. Because when you yell no, people don't just hear you yelling no about a proposal, they think you're yelling no about the environment. And the fact is that 95% of the American people believe we have an obligation to protect the legacy that God has given us. Uh, we literally just did a series of surveys at American Solutions. We did six national surveys out of about 180 questions. The highest support was on protecting the legacy that we've been given by our Creator. And it brings people together, whether you're right or left. Okay, that's just a brief talk about uh, his book, Contract uh, with the Earth. Hey, uh, I find it interesting that uh, Nick Gingrich wanted to be a zookeeper. Since he was a kid, well, actually, he had his dream fulfilled. Wasn't when he was he in the, the primary? The... <laughs> no, wasn't, wasn't he the Speaker of the House? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, he yeah, was he, a zookeeper. <laughs> yeah, so very he, good he analogy, a, Kelly. Very good analogy. Yes, yeah. he was a zookeeper. So anyway, oh by the way, oh, oh my gosh, this is really amazing. 
Um, have you seen the uh, advertisements for uh, the, the the new Terminator movie? No, I have not. Yeah, there's a new Terminator movie coming out in July. So we have. You heard uh, about that, but I, I haven't uh, seen the commercial. Yeah, the Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to appear again in a movie, and I think he'll really do good in his in his role. He'll do very good in his role as an actor in the Terminator. Why? Because he was a politician, and they're such good actors. Oh, wow. She's a politician in the movie. <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the previews. Yeah, well, he, he, he had a lot of acting practice when he was governor as a politician. Oh, God, so, okay. Oh, yeah, it's been a long day, I guess. Uh, that, that, kind of went, <laughs> that, that kind of went over my head, Kelly. Sorry okay. about that. All right. So anyway. Yeah. So, 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 Cindy, what do you think about? uh, He's been kind of quiet lately. I haven't even really seen him on CNN much. Uh, Well, I've never really seen him on TV uh, doing interviews much. What 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 are your thoughts on that? On On news. Yeah, he has. I haven't seen him on TV much or on CNN. He's. I don't know if he's still doing Crossfire or anything. Well, well, that could either be a good tired. sign or a bad sign. <laughs> he's, he's just probably getting tired. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody once said, you know, the country is run by a bunch of old men, and they're tired. Yeah, well. Hmm. Um, <laughs> well, remember the last over. time the country was, was, was rolled – well, remember the last time the country was governed by an old, you know, supposedly an old man. And when I'm talking about Ronald Reagan, and uh, we see how things were then. Now, of course, Ronald Reagan wasn't perfect. There's definitely some things he did uh, that I wasn't too pleased, you know, about, you know, especially when it came to amnesty and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, be that as it may, we haven't had a president since then. Uh, we had the chance, you know, with Newt Gingrich, and I, I think even Newt would have handled uh, illegal immigration differently. Uh, from Reagan, probably from learning from the mistakes uh, that because Reagan was, of course, human uh, made on uh, the immigration. Uh, but who knows? Well, uh, what do you think he might have been quiet, uh, Cindy? Uh, it would be very hard to tell that because there could be about 60 different reasons. Um, he might be being quiet because he's getting ready to run again. He might be quiet because He's burned out. He might be quiet because he's decided to write another book. He might be quiet because he's heading in other directions, uh, traveling, enjoying his beautiful wife. Um, There's tons of questions. Uh, Maybe his health. Maybe something's going on with his health. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's quiet, and that's okay. Um, We have enough good advice from him over the last 30 years that should last us but nobody listens to him anyway but uh, so i don't know oh well much to our country's detriment that's for certain well the reason that i hope he's quiet is the first one i hope he's getting ready to run (laughs) but uh i kind of doubt it i think i think he got yeah unfortunately at this point i kind of doubt it too um yeah and I noticed a lot of the folks who ran in 2012 really aren't jumping up to uh, run again. 
normally you see that. Normally you see the candidates. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton, who, you know, you know, jump at the opportunity to run again after they lost in 2012. And now that I'm bringing it up, I do find it quite interesting that uh, only briefly, of course, uh, Romney talked about it, but of course he knew that at this point in time, uh, he probably couldn't win a nomination again. Uh, but I do find it kind of interesting that no one else who uh, ran uh, for uh, the GOP nomination 2012 is up again, uh, up again, uh, doing it. I don't, I mean, of course, Ron Paul, he's kind of retired out of politics, but he's not, of course, he's got his son there. And then we have, um, you know, Santorum, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard hardly anything about Santorum being active in anything lately. Uh, and then of course, Gary Johnson, I heard a little undercurrent about him a little while ago. I heard a little undercurrent about him possibly running, uh, a little while ago, but it was just a little undercurrent. Don't know. Go yeah, on. I heard a little bit about that too, but uh, nothing to where I think that there was any, you know, seriousness in that. And then, uh, you know, as I said, of course, we have uh, Michelle Bachman, Herman Cain, uh, nothing from them. Of course, we know what Herman Cain, uh, he went out because of the uh, fabricated, at least in my opinion, uh, fabricated uh, scandal. I mean, because as soon as uh, he left from the race, that scandal kind of disappeared. And then Michelle Bachman, I was never a fan of Michelle Bachman anyway, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so, of course, she wouldn't here. run again. She she reminds me of a conservative Hillary, just kind of sh- shrill and, I don't know, I, yeah, it's yeah. hard to get around her. It's hard to get your liking around her, you know. You, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I agree. But I find it interesting, you know, because, I mean, you know, think about uh, when – you know, as I said, I mean, that was like, the, you know, when Romney ran again and then Huckabee, didn't he run a couple times? Uh, you know, and I think uh, also didn't, uh, you know, uh, McCain, he ran a couple times, you know. And so it seems like that at least two runs of it, so to speak. But so far, it doesn't look like uh, we're seeing that here. Because Romney, uh, if you think about it, I mean, he got in, I mean, he, he was pretty much campaigning shortly after 2008. <laughs> yeah, well, they, he he thought about it. You could see he was thinking about it. He was kind of uh, spreading himself around, um, you know, kind of putting out feelers. And I think what he uh, ended up finding out was that you've got Jeb Bush going in the race and you've got Marco Rubio going in the race, and those are your your um, your your GOP establishment candidates. So... I think there was mm-hmm. no more room. There was no more room on the on the docket for him, so he um, just sort of gave up. I think. Um, you know what? And I think he he was a loser. And that, <laughs> right. He might know that. And I, and I think, yeah, I think Romney, Jeb Bush. Now, and I, here's what I think at this point: I think Rubio is going to be the uh, establishment's pick. What do you think, Kelly? I really, I think, I think it is. I think Rubio is going to be the establishment pick because they're going to want to try to uh, get the Hispanic vote. What do you think, Kelly? Kelly, Kelly. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll wait for. Uh, are you there, Kelly? Yeah, right here. Oh, there you go. So, what do you what, what do you think I, about I, that? I, I mean, I know it's very, very I, early. I, I, uh, but I, I could I, I could see that happening. I could see the establishment uh, getting behind Rubio. Well, 
that's another story. Sorry, I was like not listening. There was an explosion locally, and the CHP and the sheriff and now the fire department are showing up. Like, what the heck's going on here? Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, big, big, big night in a small town. All right. Anyway, um, so a Rubio. Oh, really? Oh, by the way, Ted Cruz, you know, kind of like a Rubio, not born in this country. So what happened? Uh, Oh, yeah, Ted Cruz came out with a statement today. Well, one of my first things uh, as president that I will do is I will nullify everything he has done that's unconstitutional. Well, you ought to look at the fact that he wasn't. He has to raise his entire presidency now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so you're if right. you enforce that he was not a constitutional president, you would have to apply that to yourself and resign from office. Hmm. <laughs> oh my God, he has uh, some contention in whether. Well, well, I mean, he's running. I mean, there's no one saying no. You can't run. Uh, no one from the. I'm I guess, saying he can't uh, run. You no know, election Hello, commission or anything like that saying he can't run. Hello. I'm sorry. Hello. I'm saying he can't run. You got to be born in this country, or if you're a military brat, born off, you know, off the country like John McCain was. Right. Yeah, you're still eligible. But wait, 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 wait. You're not born in this country. You have no freaking clue about our culture. I mean, why don't we just go ahead and let Putin? Let's let Putin be run for president now. Why don't we just do that, okay? If we're going to violate the standards, let's let Putin run for our country. You know? Well, in that case, I'm going to let Schwarzenegger run. Well, do you know what happened with Santorum? Do you know why he resigned his race? This is the summer of 12. No, there's a... he said, some, so somebody sat him down and in front of him and said, look, you are not constitutionally eligible. You weren't born in this country. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to drop out of the race. He did. He had integrity. It's like, and of course the left is screaming now, Ted Cruz is not constitutionally eligible. Where were you when Obama was uh, hit with that yeah. question? Right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And I thought Rubio was born here. I thought it was just one of his parents that wasn't. Cuba. Wasn't. Cuba. Oh, I, I thought he was born here. Cuba. And then he came into the States. Are you sure about that? I'll research and vet it, but I'm like, you know, if the establishment wants him, then he'll be running. Right. It's so freaking oh. frustrating because who do we have left? It happens to be Rand Paul, which he betrayed his dad, but okay, that's that's all right to betray your dad. Um, I'm so, I'm still having questions about Rand Paul. Of course, we got Gary. Yeah, Jackson, not... but he supports. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. Hey, I got a I got a little tip here for you, Robert. One reason that Newt's been quiet the last few days is because he's in Panama. He's in Panama. He's in Panama. Interest. Interesting. Got, Isn't there something going on down in Panama? Some kind of talks or something? Uh, he's not mentioning that. I don't see anything here. It's just he's talking about the canal, and he's got. Pictures of him and Callista at the canal. He's there. Apparently, they've gone behind the scenes here. They're all in their hard hats and their their uh, you know their special gear for being where you're not supposed to be. Um, hmm. 
anyway, the Panama Canal is expanding, and I guess he's just going there to find out what they're doing. And you know how he is. He's got to know everything. <laughs> it's something that is, is good for an economy, so he, he's going to go look at it, see how it's working. That's what he does. He goes around finding out, and he's still doing that. At his age, he's still going out there and finding every good thing there is to do for your uh, to improve society. He's like a Ben Franklin, I'm telling you. Mhm. Yeah, certainly. And then, but the American people, and uh, even lowering it down to uh, the the Republicans. I mean, you know, the Republican electorate. They're just they were stupid in 2012. I don't know how else you can't fix stupid, I guess. But it just seemed they were just absolutely stupid. They were duped. They were duped by the so-called conservative media. That's what you know. That that, in my opinion, is, is a big part of what happened in 2012. The Republican electorate were duped by the so-called conservative media. They were. I mean, they didn't actually listen to things themselves. They didn't listen to, you know. You know, Gingrich would come out of the mouth, his mouth ourselves. They just listened to what the, you know, the so-called conservative pundits and talking heads had to say. I mean, I really have no respect for Fox News or any of the so-called conservative talk show hosts anymore. I just don't. The, the, the one I have maybe even the most respect for, and even that has been diminished since 2012, is Sean Hannity. I mean, I don't listen. Yeah, I, I mean, I used to listen to those guys. I used to listen to those guys religiously. On uh, before 2012, after 2012, I can't. I even after four years now, I, I almost four years. I still can't stomach them. I don't listen to Rush. I don't listen to any of them. I mean Hannity. I don't even really. And I used to watch Hannity all the time. Watch Fox News. And now if I watch news, I watch CNN. I watch CNN. I won't. I won't watch Fox News anymore because you know they, on the surface they try to you know seem as if they you support conservatism, but they do you know. That they play, in my opinion, uh, they play the tune to it. But then once the rubber hits the rose and it's very important, they just go ahead and follow along with the Republican establishment. So. Hey, Robert. So you don't you yeah. don't mind conservative radio talk show hosts? Well, I'm not Hi. saying the ones like the you know Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. Uh, gosh, one I can't I see I can't even remember his name. Uh, the blonde Mormon guy. So, uh, Glenn Beck. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Beck. I'm Bob Mormon guy. <laughs> oh, so you don't like the conservative. Well, you remember, you, you will remember, uh, Robert, that during our time on Sammy's show, uh, and and then later when the others came on too, you and uh, Rex and all them, um, you remember that in the middle of our uh, push to get Newt elected, I I was I announced I admitted that I was a foxaholic and that I was now recovering and that I uh, I am no longer a foxaholic well no longer a fox watcher um, and I'm still mm-hmm. working on that uh, I have to work on it because my husband watches it so every now and then I hear something um, that that comes on like tonight the helicopter thing uh, you know I got that from from my husband first because he watches Fox News. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I, I knew way, way back that Fox was not somebody to be trusted, um, that they were shills for the GOP elite leadership. Um, it was, it's, 
it's basically uh, Rove's playground, and Rove gets what he wants, and everybody else uh, gets tossed out on their ear. Like, you know, you got, um, they had uh, uh, Sean Hannity in the 9 o'clock slot. Well, now they got him up to the 10 o'clock slot because he started getting feisty. Uh, they're not going to allow you to get feisty on there. You, you can't. You can't start. Uh, uh, you cannot go. You cannot. Uh, what's the word? You can't disobey the eleventh commandment. You know, speak no ill will against your fellow Republican. You're just not allowed to do that on there. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, Hannity got moved. He actually dared. No, good to point, but, but he's but he's well liked enough for they could. But he's well well liked enough to not get rid of uh, for them to get rid of him. Now, Kelly, you're gonna you're no. gonna ask me a question. I want you to go ahead and be able to get that out. Sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead, Kelly. You're asking me. I don't like conservative talk show hosts. Is that what you're saying? Kelly. I, I think he's coming in and out. If that, if that is indeed uh, what, what he said, I think that might have been what he said. Is, I know I, I like conservative ones. I just don't like so-called uh, conservative ones who say they're a conservative first and a Republican second when the opposite is actually true. Right. Oh, no, yeah, it looks like his phone dropped. Uh, I'm still seeing him. I'm still seeing him in the call, but it looks like his phone may have dropped on us. So let me go ahead and uh, check on that, Cindy, and uh, go ahead and uh, make some uh, parting comments because it is about time for me to uh, get ready to uh, close out the show. Go ahead. Well, um, I, let's see. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I had uh, big uh, – I have big uh, – hmm, I am so livid about – how our, our rights, our resources, our land rights, our water rights, everything is being uh, taken away from us. They had to do that in order to gain power. We, our, um, our Constitution gives us the right to ownership, and it gives us uh, lots of rights that they're trying to find ways to work around that and uh, still get control of the land underneath of us. And... Um, they're just using all these other different ways and and means to do that, and um, this this uh, move against the miners in Southern Oregon is just one of the the many ways that they are uh, working on that across the country. Now they're getting they're doing a lot behind the scenes that don't ever get publicized because there's not any kind of a group behind the people um, you know to protect them. There's no, there's no one to help them or defend them, like Ted, like Ted Bundy. Oh gosh, like that Bundy, the Bundy Ranch people did, and like the, the miners have helped. In fact, I think they even appealed to the, um, the Oath Keepers, and and they're uh, talking about coming in there and, and helping him. So, you know, there's been whenever there is someone to give them enough help and raise up some publicity against what the government's doing, then the government has to back down. Uh, otherwise, they make martyrs out of the people. And uh, they don't they don't really want to make any more martyrs at this point. It's bad for the 
politics, but anyway, uh, coming up election especially. Um, so, I, I mean, I live on a lake, and, and, and I, I don't ski much anymore, but at one time that water was my livelihood. Uh, if I didn't get to ski on our lake, then um, I, I lost income, okay? If I hadn't been able to uh, train here on my own lake, I would have lost income. So uh, what if the government decides to uh, just say, uh, okay, we are going to control everything that happens on all the water on everybody's property, and uh, we don't want you to ski there anymore, we don't want you to fish there anymore, we don't want you to whatever anymore. Um, uh, This is a dangerous thing that's about to happen. Um, Little by little, they're carving out complete control whether they're privately owned or not, the land. And sometimes they do exactly the opposite of what is good for people or animals. But it's not about protecting people or animals. It's about control. And um, uh, I'm I'm with Doug Hughes, give me liberty or give me prison. Um, I don't know. I hope when the time comes, I, I, more than anything, I want to stand true to my Lord. I want to be faithful to my Lord. I, I pray that nothing happens to me that uh, that I would ever have to, you know, worry about, you know, like those poor little Columbine kids with those guys uh, standing over them with a gun. Are you a Christian or not? And they had to say yes. And so they got blown away. Uh, it may come down to that for me someday. It may come down to me being in prison someday because I'm on this talk show, um, but I'm not going to stop. Uh, I don't have a gyrocopter, so I guess I can't do what Doug did. <laughs> but, you know, well, for whatever method I have to fight the government, uh, if it's my computer, if it's my um, my letters to Congress, if it's... Um, standing on a street corner with signs, if it's, you know, writing letters to the editor, whatever I still have the right to do, I'll do. And whatever I can do, I'll do until they put me in prison. Because, you know, oh, I'm sorry that Kelly got off because I meant to mention this earlier. Did you see his post on Facebook the other day where he said, um, hang on, let me get it, let me get it up here because it was funny. The post said, um, the post said, I think I'm done. Done voting. Done yes, activism. I've seen, I've seen done, that. Done, done, done. <laughs> I was scared me to death before I read to the end. I went, no, no, not Kelly. Oh, no. If he gives up. <laughs> right, I, I, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like. Yeah, I've seen so, that. When I realized what he was doing, it was like, okay. But, you know, I have. Right. I've been there. I have been there so many times. I just want to be done. I don't want to fight this anymore. I don't. I don't know how. How much longer I can tolerate this? Um. And 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 I understand it because what he said here. But from my liberty friends, I can't take it. It's the people like my husband and my father that don't want to hear the real truth. They're they're only willing to hear the Fox News truth. They don't want to hear mm-hmm. the real truth. And and that hurts. And and that makes me feel so defeated. 
So I was like, oh, no, Kelly, if, you, if you're done, I'm done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go anymore if all the people I know are doing it are gone too. <laughs> wow. So anyway, that's my two cents worth. Um, I have, you know, during the week, there's so much stuff that comes up, and I, I research all this stuff, and I go, oh, i got to bring that up on Robert's show. And then I forget it all by the time I get here. So <laughs> it's a good well, thing your show isn't like good thing your your show isn't like four four hours long. I I I'd probably try it to could be. talk <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> well, oh, well. well, we've talked about it uh, many times. We thought maybe it uh, maybe it would be, <laughs> or it could have been. Uh, but speaking of that, unfortunately, we'll have to start go ahead and closing things out. Um, Right. And so, Kelly, if you're still able to listen somewhere, thank you very much for coming to the show. And, of course, uh, we want to thank our guest, Wayne, uh, for coming on as well. And definitely uh, looking forward uh, to next week to have our a guest on, and that is Ron Eckless of the Ron Eckless Show, uh, talking about his conservative uh, radio show. So we'll have him on uh, that week. And then, of course, we'll have uh, Christina Timmons on uh, again the on the 29th, I believe. And then after that, uh, we will have another discussion on uh, Agenda 21, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, we're also we're looking like uh, maybe booking someone up for the 13th as well, just waiting to hear back from some folks. Uh, so we've got some folks coming in the uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, looking forward to those shows. And definitely, folks, if you'd like to be a uh, part of the email group, uh, just go to the Bards Logic Political Talk website at www. BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com and go to the contact page and you can send a message letting uh, me know that you'd like to be on the mailing list so that you can get the weekly updates on what the uh, show is going to be about uh, or at least what guests we're going to have on uh, so you can have that link uh, which you can forward uh, to your friends and so that will be very convenient uh, for you to have and so uh, check that out but it does look like it is time to close up tonight so I want to say uh, thank you all uh, for coming in, and we will see you next week. And so I will end tonight as I do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So good night, folks. Take care, and we will see you next time. Good night, Cindy. Mm-hmm.